we're going to talk about outrageous things that have happened or things that have never happened, let's talk about the fact that President Trump incited an erection. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. Just a catching strays over here. (laughs) You're in for a hell of a show. Keep the faith. Hold the line and own the libs. It's time for our main event. Welcome back to the Ruthless Friday program. Um, President Trump has been accused of a lot of things. Almost everything. Yeah. It's sunny erections, I think, is a new one. No. Why is why is Capitol Hill so horny? <laughs> and, you and know, that- we got guys BFing in the Senate, uh, you know, hearing rooms. <laughs> And we got people inciting erections. That's it's pretty unfair too for was Congressman Jayapal with yeah. that statement. Yeah, pinning all that on Trump, I would say Lauren Boebert had a hand in it. Oh. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> I like that. That was good. So, I like that. It's, wild. it's one of those episodes. <laughs> it's key. Now we've set the tone. Tone we've setter. Set the tone. I like that. You're going to enjoy the program. Yeah. Uh, we've got a great. I'm sure that Brian Kilmeade, by the way, is thrilled with the introduction of this. Yeah, particular. He's our guest today. Uh, you love him. You know him. He's like an icon of TV at this point. He's been doing Fox and Friends for longer than anybody can imagine. He's just such a pro, but he's also just such a good dude. Yeah. I. I mean, definitely stick around for that interview. I think we could have just chopped it up for hours with the guy. Completely. You about know? every subject. Any subject. There's nothing that the fellas are interested in that he ultimately doesn't have some background yeah. in and can give us stuff we didn't know. Right. Uh, just fantastic. Loved it. He's written a new book uh, right there, right there, uh, entitled Teddy and Booker T. And you'll hear all about that and much much more, including uh, a professed love for soccer, which we take issue with. Except I don't. Except for Michael. I don't. Except for Michael, because he likes everything Euro and globalist. Yeah. Okay. What globalist, a... Mike. Yeah. Most... globalist Mike. Globalist <laughs> Mike. It's, most... <laughs> it's the most popular sport in the world. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we've got that. Listen, we're going to do our typical five-star stuff. We're going to talk a little bit about... What's going on on Capitol Hill? You're probably bored about it, so we're gonna like breeze through it, but we're gonna give you the upshot of like, are they shutting governments down and things like that, and you know, whatever. Uh, we've got some other stuff, and then we're gonna do some variety. Always, we've got variety because it's a variety program. The variety program. Mm-hmm. And when we are a variety program, we are entrusted. Yeah, we sing, we dance, we entertain. That's exactly right. Uh, and then we're gonna play Caitlin Hill today. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to that. Hill. Yeah. So, uh, before we go to our first segment, which we typically do is, you know, some sort of uh, who won the week type thing, you're going to Iowa, pal. That's right, folks. Get excited. I know I am. On Main Street, local credit unions and community banks are the heart of our small towns. So when these institutions are united in opposition to the Durbin-Marshall credit card bill, Congress should listen. The Durbin-Marshall credit card bill favors corporate megastores like Walmart and Target, shifting costs and risks unfairly onto the credit unions, community banks, and the 135 million customers they serve. Tell Congress to protect America's credit unions and community banks and oppose the Durbin-Marshall credit card bill. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org to take action. So we will have a live stream 
We're going to be going head-to-head against all the big networks, all the major players. You don't need to watch the coverage on any cable news or ABC, CBS, NBC. The best coverage for the Iowa Caucasus is going to be right here, Ruthless Variety Program, live stream. The fellows will be here in the studio, and I will be boots on the ground, 30 degrees below, freezing, in Iowa, live stream. you got to catch it. And you're going to get some interviews you don't get anywhere else. That's right. I mean... Legitimately, I, I like, you know, we, we screw around a lot on this show, you know, and we like to have a good time. We, we want to keep you guys entertained while informing you. Right. What I would tell you is you cannot possibly go to any cable news coverage of the Iowa caucuses and have people on your television screen who have more experience and in-depth analysis and insight than the people in this room and the people we're bringing in. That's right. And th- and that's not even something I'm just sort of like. Yeah. I'm not, I'm that's not, not hyping. My, that's just facts. I'm not beating my own yeah. chest. Like there's You're, a lot. You like lot to of, beat your own okay. chest. Everything. Okay. <laughs> All I'm saying is, look, dude, I, no, I one, one of the reasons why I love doing this show and the reason why I think it's important important is you like i I watch a ton of coverage of politics on on television from people who god bless them that they have an opinion and stuff but they've never been in the trenches they haven't done the thing you know like can you imagine watching the nfl and you didn't have like people who actually played the game that's the thing yeah you know what i mean and we we deal with that in politics every night when you watch television it is wild i mean if you look at sports broadcasting they do a nice job of put of pairing a, a professional broadcaster with somebody who has great credentials in the yeah. game. And in politics, they don't do that. Nope. Yeah. You have a professional broadcaster and somebody with a lot of loud opinions about things right? that has absolutely no clue about the way that things are going to play out and what you should be expecting. Like, I look at um, all of the coverage on Election Day recently. It pales in comparison to where it was in like the 90s when you just kind of sat back and, and they went through the numbers and, and talked through everything. Mm-hmm. I will say, I think I think there are parts of what like Fox does when they hand it over to the campaign team mm-hmm. when they're doing, when they because they have special broadcasting that I really, really like. Because mm-hmm. Hammer does his homework yes. mm-hmm. in a very real way. And Hammer actually, you know, it's funny because, look, he's a professional broadcaster, but there's nothing that Bill Hammer does on Fox that he doesn't actually spend an enormous amount of time off air researching and talking to people. Like, far before I ever started doing TV, he would call and be like, so what am I looking for in this particular county? What am I looking for in the Like, he did the homework. Did the homework. You know? But a lot of those folks don't. A lot of them don't. Yeah. A lot of them don't. And, like... I wish we had a lot more of that, right? I, the only reason I bring it up is as a call to action to you, dear listener, as you're listening to this right now. Like, I, I, I want it to be a, a successful live stream. Like, I hope we have a lot of people who tune in yeah. and say, like, I, I want to I listen to people who know what they're talking about. And I'm not, we're not going to read you a spreadsheet. No, you. no, no. We're going to be, we're going to, this is, look, if there is one thing I can promise you is you're going to have some entertainment. Right. And some variety. What what are you gonna make me do? I don't know. I'm, I'm just like Smash and I have been thinking it up. Yeah, I but, mean, shotgunning beers is gonna be the minimum. Minimum. But also, I mean, I don't want to say we will very likely have the results before anyone else. But 
I'm not going to say we won't. Many people are saying. Many, many people are saying many. that many. we're going to be maybe having the data before other people. And, you know, we, we are we are a spry upstart. We're going to be there talking to the folks who are making these campaigns happen, who are seeing everything on the front lines in Iowa. And we're going to be getting that information, not just to us in real time, to you, dear listener, you're going to be getting it too. How do you feel about being a professional correspondent? So here's the thing is, I already have a feeling this is way easier than these journos <laughs> act like it is. <laughs> You know, it's like you put on a coat, you have a couple shots, you go out there in the cold and you go get the job done. You know, that's just how we do it. You're not going to complain about it. Not one bit. Not even a little bit. Not, not, I'm going to watch, I'm going to have frostbite and like, <laughs> I'm going to lose that. a leg. They're going to have to saw it off civil war style. And I'm I, talking shit now though. <laughs> I got, I got to say, if this goes sideways on you there, I hate to say it, pal, but we are going to be goofing the whole time. <laughs> I mean, I, like, uh. I'm telling you right now, the fact that it's going to be like two degrees, yeah, <laughs> it's not good. And we're going to be here in the comfort of the studio. Oh, having a great time. But yeah. that's the thing is like, I care so much about our audience. That's right. We do it. Yeah. And chances are uh, Trump is going to be inciting an erection. An erection. In, in <laughs> Iowa, as, as Jai Paul has said. Mm -hmm. uh, Smash, I feel like you have something to add on that. Well, all I wanted to add was just that this program, in, uh, in addition to the frivolity and the variety, we do have a fair amount of expertise that we bring to the fore. And we're closing in this spring on the 30-year anniversary of one of the most famous moments in the NFL draft, where the Colts GM... Oh, what are we doing? Oh, I don't know. I know. No, 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 no. This is a good Colts moment. The okay. Colts GM, a guy named Bill Tobin at the time, uh -huh. was attacked by Mel Kuyper. Mel Kuyper wanted them to draft like Trent Dilfer, this was Heath the Schuler, draft. and uh, and the Colts drafted Marshall Falk instead. Mm -hmm. And Mel Kuyper lost his mind. And you know what Bill Tobin said? Who is Mel Kuyper anyway? He never wore a jock strap. Oh. Yeah. Who is that guy? You guys oh, remember this? Yes. Yeah. You remember this? That's like a famous NFL quote. Famous NFL quote from the time. Mm -hmm. And and at that moment. ESPN, a lot of other... I mean, Mel Kuyper is great. The guy's very smart. His draft anal analysis, I think, is wonderful. But, like, I think from that point on, you saw you see a lot more athletes, you see a lot more people who played the game involved in the analysis. Yeah. And, so and Marshall Falk didn't do great for the Colts, but for the Rams. Hold, I, I guess hold my, on. My, hold on. <laughs> hold on. I, I, I can't let this, vi I can't I let this violence okay. go. I love how you tied in the, like, theme into attacking the Colts. So, you know, great. He's in the ring of honor. I mean, Marshall Falk was fantastic for the Colts. He was, and, and that wasn't and for the, my and for and, my fantasy team. And hold on, that wasn't the only decision by the Indianapolis Colts that was fantastic drafting. We had Peyton Manning, who a lot of people were like, "Oh, well, he can't win the big game." He did a great job with the Broncos. <laughs> yes, he won a Super Bowl for my team, and you got the runoff of that. And then you also, you know, picking Edron James over Ricky Williams, fantastic. That was a draft. fine draft. I don't yes. know, no I, question because Ricky it. was awesome in Miami. But my <laughs> upshot from all this, from the variety program standpoint, is that I believe John Ashbrook just committed to wearing a jockstrap on the program. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I well, think that's what we've got. That. So tune in at seven thirty p.m. p.m. on Monday, on Monday, to see the jockstrap on John Ashbrook. <laughs> you get the jockstrap and all of the important coverage you deserve. That's all he's wearing. <laughs> Wouldn't it be hilarious if we just went live and he's just sitting there? Like, no shirt. Well, that's normal. <laughs> Greetings. <laughs> Hello and good evening. Uh, all right, so Iowa. Uh, this is obviously a, a, an important deal. Regardless of whether or not there's suspense, and I don't think there is at this point. I think well, it's pretty clear maybe. that Trump is going to win the Iowa caucus. But all of this has been about winnowing the field and about the potential strength of the remaining candidates. 
and we've seen uh, Ron DeSantis throw all in on Iowa. And at the beginning of this campaign, it looked like uh, to all of us that Ron DeSantis was not only just like, you know, putting chips in in Iowa, but he was sort of on par with Donald Trump. And as this is all played out, it looks like he needs to restart that engine. And the only way to restart that engine is to have a performance in Iowa that sort of galvanizes a Republican electorate around him to the point where he can kind of move through New Hampshire where he's not performing very well, but get to a point where he's consolidated an electorate in South Carolina and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not that happens, I don't know. There's a couple of things that we need to uh, just sort of like move through so everybody knows the context of what's happening. This is uh, from Politico. Say it ain't snow. Iowa's forecast is terrible, <laughs> and it's impacting the campaign. Uh, the current forecast in Iowa could be best described as frigid, bordering on terrible, mm-hmm. which isn't ideal for our nation's political class as they send to, uh, set to descend upon. And that's part of you. You're in political class now, by the way. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, but people you, finally have a seat at the table. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Extreme temperatures uh, and snowstorms are set to return to the first caucus in a bitterly cold mess. Forecast now is 7 degrees, says David Kochel. Good friend of the program. Great friend. Yeah. Great friend to all. Kochel's been on uh, just numerous times, and we, he's a good friend of the I imagine we'll run into him. I think so. I imagine. You can't really go to Iowa without it. Yeah. Right. A Republican strategist from Iowa, who's he advised? I mean, this guy is like the guy that you call. Right. Yeah. To advise. If they've, the, if they've won in Iowa, Kochel's advised. He's like the SEAL Team 6 of Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. He's the guy. And, he's, and he tells it to you straight. The thing I like about, like about Kochel is he doesn't give you like... Six of one, half dozen no, of another. No, nope. he'll just give you a straight take, and I he's love almost the guy. always right about that stuff. Uh, anyway, turns out you're going to have some bad fucking weather. <laughs> <laughs> that is, see, that's the thing. You're getting the actual analysis. Do you have a big coat? You'll see. You got to wait. Oh, you're 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 waiting to unveil Listen, the wardrobe. I mean, wardrobe? the thing is, is half the reason to tune in is see if I can survive these conditions. It's you should be do. Like, yes. Oregon Trail has nothing on what I'm so, going to fucking go. Smug, through. smug, smug. Have you seen like Donner Party? They didn't experience <laughs> what I'm about to have. Smug. Um, you ever see on Instagram those videos like "Get Ready with Me"? You know, like where like people like start their day, they make a cup of coffee, and they're like, "This is what I'm going to wear today." Like you should do one for Iowa. Okay. Get ready with me. It's, it's a simple thing. I wake up in the hotel room. There's empty bottles of bourbon on the ground. I don't know how I got here. Feel shit. <laughs> Time to start throwing on a coat. <laughs> yeah. Get ready with me, folks. It's and another let's, lovely day. <laughs> and let's go live. I love that. That's not a bad idea. That's a great idea. So it turns out, so all of this, all of this is coming together. And uh, as we're taping this, there is a debate between Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. Yeah, you recall the variety program played a, a very integral role in many of the first debates where we did, you know, sort of the the hype portion of it. And um, can I give you my candid take? Please. Yeah, let's hear it. So I thought it made a lot of sense. At the beginning, it was important because you had a lot of voices out there that needed to separate themselves from the crowd. And we had to figure out who could run good campaigns and who couldn't and who could be a viable alternative to Donald Trump in the Republican primary. And I think it's important that you have alternatives. I mean, look, this is a democracy after all. So he's, whether you're dealing with one party or not, you gotta you gotta see what, what's and, out there. And a great example is like, look at the Democrats who, when they threw it 
essentially. They rigged it for Biden in their primary. All of them dropped out in South Carolina. And they're paying the price. Now look at what their candidate's doing in office. They're so like, paying the when, price. Yeah, when you have a battle-tested candidate who's like run the gauntlet, you end up with whoever's the best. Yeah, so it was fun and games for the first four of these things. And I thought they were all interesting. Now we've gotten to a point where we've got two candidates. We're talking Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. Both well-deserving of being on that stage. They've run campaigns that have garnered millions of people's attention. They've raised millions of dollars. They've done, by virtue of being on stage, they've met basic metrics that the Republican National Committee has put together. I think all that's great, and I have no fault to blame on those metrics. And But the fact that the guy's still not on the stage with them feels awkward mm -hmm. to me. The fact that we're down to two and you don't have Donald Trump on the stage feels awkward to me. And it's a CNN debate. You got to ask yourself how many primary voters are watching CNN. Maybe they're tuning in, maybe they're not. But it's it just it now that we're down to a critical mass. Mm -hmm. uh, it just it feels very weird not to have the leader in the clubhouse there and maybe it's just an Iowa thing but I got to tell you if they go to New Hampshire and we're talking like a four point race yeah and he's not there because that's what it is now like now it, it's not a fluke poll <clears throat> now we've had multiple polls there's been like 10 that, polls yeah that Nikki Haley's like within four or five points of Trump in New Hampshire yeah I mean there's been a, like a lot of polls that show that it's actually a real race and so it just feels this one feels awkward to me does it not to you guys I think you know there was a case to be made when it was i remember back in 2016 how you had like two debates like it, there's the big kids table and the little kids table yeah. and at this point like you said when you've got donald trump and the two top challengers right i would love to see trump show up if for nothing else then before we end up in a head-to-head -head between our candidate and the democrat let's see let's see let's see if he's got you know gas in the tank it's very very difficult to have like utmost confidence. I don't care how big of a Trump supporter you are. Very difficult to be like, this is no problem, we got this. Because his rallies, they're still fun as hell. Yeah. But, but but when he's fighting someone on stage, is he the same as like the the like, you know, thousand pound gorilla he was in twenty sixteen where he was just on stage, you just clobber people. Does he still have that? We don't know because we haven't seen him debate. We don't know. Let, let me uh crystallize that problem. <clears throat> DeSantis had some uh, town hall or something. I don't know. I think yeah, maybe it was on Fox, yep. right? Yeah, Nikki did too. And Nikki did too. And Donald Trump is on Truth Social responding to DeSantis's town hall on Fox, arguing about how many miles of border wall were built. Right. And to your point, Holmes, it's like there's an asymmetry that's happening now where it's like, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley are out there trying to win votes, and Donald Trump is this 800-pound gorilla that just sort of exists in this ephemeral space. Well, I think they've proven during the course of the campaign that they are legitimate contenders. Right. So now we're at that point. Like, all the arguments that we got to at the beginning about, like, he's got 30-point lead over this mess of people that some of them aren't serious candidates or whatever. Like, that may have been true at the time. I mean, I argued, I think we all argued that the, he should have shown up no matter what and just kind of like done what Trump does. And I imagine it would have dispatched itself fairly quickly. Now you've boiled this down through a 
a period of debates, campaign schedules, and everything else, where you, you got two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, is this not, doesn't this feel like if there's two people on stage, aren't we kind of in the point where you got to have the guy also on stage? I don't, I mean, maybe I'm overreading it. It just feels awkward. It's the first debate of all of them that I feel like has gotten mm, very little attention. Yeah, I, I, have, I have, from the beginning of this process, I have taken the view of a disappointed observer when it comes to Donald Trump not showing up to the debates. I wish he was there because the guy is an entertainer, and I wanted to hear what he had to say about Haley. I wanted to hear what he had to say about Ron DeSantis, and the truth social blast is not the same. It ain't going to do the trick. It's just not the same. Yeah. And I, I think I don't think I'm the only one who's disappointed. There are a lot of Trump supporters out there who are like, man, I just really wanted to see him on stage. Because we're not going to see him with Biden. You know, well, Biden? see, I mean, look, maybe strategically you look back on this and you're like, yeah, it was the right move and it was the only move. But just as a voter, it, it just feels yeah. tough. It yeah. just feels tough. But, but there's interesting stuff coming out of Iowa. So we can throw up this graphic, graphic one, Wolf. Uh, graphic one is showing the Iowa Republican presidential caucus. And here are a whole bunch of polls that have come out lately. And what you're looking at is Nikki Haley, who I, I, I think the national narrative has shown that she's like a New Hampshire push. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and, that, and that's what they're focused on. But this is Iowa. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Iowa. And, and for the folks who've made the mistake of not subscribing to our YouTube yet, the graphic on the screen is showing the RCP average of the polls, and then you also see Trafalgar's morning call consult. All these polls, which have been taken from mid-December and after, you know, you've got multiple polls here that are the first week of January. They've all got Haley in second place, which, which is, is you sh- never shocking. would even think of that as being a possibility earlier in this campaign, but certainly not by the narrative now mm-hmm. at all. And this is, again, this is this is compiled from uh, Real Clear Polling. Real Clear Politics, Bevan, uh, you know, the guy that we, we have a good relationship with. Um, so all they do is, is take all of the polls and they average them out. Mm-hmm. And the RCP average as we sit today is Trump 52 Haley 16.6, DeSantis 16.4, Ramaswamy 7, Christie 3.5. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, look, I think... Um, <clears throat> I mean, that's a, if that happened, that's a wild thing. I, I don't think this is going to happen. If I'm just being very honest, and I, you know, I hate getting into the whole prediction game and all this sort of stuff, but just based on experience and looking at those polls and who makes up their constituency, there's a couple of things at play. Number one, um, uh, Nikki Haley's constituency is less frequent, more moderate, and I have a hard time thinking in two degrees that she's going to, she like that coalition showing up in the same rate that Ron DeSantis's coalition showing up, which is conservative evangelical. Very fair point. Ooh. You know what I mean? That's a very fair point. I just have a hard time thinking. That's strong. You know, her her coalition shows up at the same rate. His his very his does. fair point. And and his team and uh, Jeff Rowe, who who ran uh, Cruz's campaign, you know, they've been getting caucus commitments for a very very long time. And 
that's what it is. It is ground game at the end that does matter. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think Trump's number is a little high. Uh, I think it's. I think it probably ends up a little softer than that. I think the thing that is very strange about this primary and kind of going back to like uh, what you were saying about this debate where it's like Nikki and, and DeSantis and it doesn't feel like it has the weight of like what it should yeah. have. Yeah. We just have like a very strange primary right now where we've got the front runner not really participating in the primary as it exists. And we have another candidate, Vivek Ramaswamy running interference for the guy who doesn't show up. Mm-hmm. Um, Nikki, can you play the ad that Vivek Ramaswamy is going to be running uh, while Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis are on stage? Oh, interesting. I haven't seen this yet. I'm Vivek Ramaswamy and I approve this message. The mainstream media is trying to rig the Iowa GOP caucus in favor of the corporate candidates who they can control. Don't fall for their trick. They don't want you to hear from me about the truth of what really happened on January 6th, the truth about the COVID origin, the Hunter Biden laptop story, and everything else they have lied to you about. So you can fix that. Take your remote and turn this off. Wow. So, okay, like, so that owns. So, that owns. So, 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 so how, excellent. Here's the thing. It's like, love it. You know, how, how, how are you supposed to win a primary when your other opponent is basically slashing your tires every day to basically just help Donald. I mean, that helps Donald Trump. That doesn't help Vivek Ramaswamy. Well, it's, it's also it helps the opposite. The people, bro. He's talking about, they Should lied we, about the It's COVID also orders. the opposite approach that Donald <laughs> Trump, the leader of this field, has taken to this debate. He's not even paying any attention to it, and Vivek Ramaswamy is paying to put himself in the middle of it. I want in, I know we don't have this queued up, but in post, on this moment, I want to add what Ramaswamy told Fox News about January 6th. Oh, yeah. A couple months afterwards. Yeah, let's play that. And I saw the disgrace that unfolded at the footsteps of the Capitol on January 6th. I I cried. I was in tears when I watched on television that day. So, look, you can be your own determiner of whether or not you think that's authentic or that's not authentic. I understand what he's doing. I get it. I think it's super cynical. But it just well, I mean, I think there's a lot of people, a lot of voters who are cynical. I mean, this the the, the politics. Yeah, but you ought to know. But a, you ought to know. You ought to know when where where bullshit is. Well, I, I mean, that's the thing that drives me fucking crazy about all these people is that like you can't have definitive positions on something where you talk about like having tears over something and then come back and be like, I'm going to tell you the truth. It was all an FBI game. And the CIA was involved, and aliens came down, and, these, and Hugo Chavez was resurrected, <laughs> and like you just can't, you can't do it. It's fucking bullshit. It 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 misleads well-meaning people, because there's a lot of people. Look, I've met Vivek. I I I like him a lot in person. He is a whale of a human being. He's smart as a whip. He gets people. He understands the core of the conservative electorate. And then he does shit like that, where it's like, dude, you, you're talking to, you're talking to less than ten percent of America, 
the idea that that is somehow sort of a, a transcendent uh, uh, argument to the American people is absurd. My, my, my it's, con- it's, it's attention. It's a play for attention. It is which a play I for think attention. Is a great idea. It's not though, dude. Let me. I love. Let, I love that. Hold idea on. Hold on. Let me just uh, swallow the black pill and level with the audience and talk about how terrible this is for the future of the Republican Party. We like our problem right now. This is a serious fucking problem. Everybody listening to this needs to understand that. We have a death spiral of small dollar donors who we cannot keep up with the pace of Democrats' small dollar machine. We're losing races in the fundraising side, like, you know, five to one, six to one, 10 to one. We have state parties in places like Arizona, Michigan. Michigan just tried to like remove the chair of their state party. And that person said, I don't accept the results. I'm not going to resign. We have broken state parties. We have a fundraising death spiral. Everything centrals around Donald Trump and his indictments. Like how? But how, can't you understand how, how we've broken it when you consider the fact that we, we, bro- mass, we, we the, broke it because a guy who's who's run, ostensibly running for president of the United States and didn't make the debate stage, doesn't make a case for how he's actually going to be president of the United States. He just talks about a bunch of, you know, far right wing conspiracy theories. And that and and then that's going to make him part of the conversation. And, and, and that doesn't make him president of the United States. And that's what I'm saying is like every every person who like wants to raise money for their campaign has to send out a text message that says things are unfair to Donald Trump. Stand with Donald Trump. And then those poor people who want to support Donald Trump click on that fucking message and then it goes to a page that says chip in $50 and then you go down to the fine print and it goes to some uh, house candidate in Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, but but also why does Donald Trump? Why doesn't Donald Trump have to show up on that stage? Because our entire party apparatus does that. Yeah. To 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 grift money off of his name reinforce the grievance of his campaign right and they make money he makes money we're in this fucking death spiral where we raise a fifth of the money the democrats do because we don't have a message for the future but of this also country. you dispirit people yes because what you're they do- feel they feel grifted in the end they're they're grifted in the end because all of these cases that are made that this is unfair that jan six was somehow an inside job that that the election was stolen. Here's well, what the about proof. The co- but hold hold right. on. Yep, I want to say all, after all, But all, all of that, and then you take it to court, and they provide the evidence, and, and, and the court throws it out. If you believe enough to invest in a product, and then ultimately courts throw it out, or it's just summarily dismissed because it has no merit, and you still believe in it, you believe you don't believe in the system any longer. You don't believe that you can actually elect a president. So you stop participating in the product. And, and so if, when you look at what Democrats have done in, in terms of expanding the reach of a small dollar universe, Republicans have done the exact opposite because the people who are patriotic Americans who whether they believed or just wanted to have a Republican president, ultimately were shown that the reason that, that they donated was either untrue or in the end, uh, was summarily dismissed because you can't beat the system. One of those two things are true. What are you going to do if you can't beat the system or something you've just been lied to? You're not going to participate. And that's what we've got. And that's what that's what's happening right now. I mean, that's a very real thing. 
it's a real problem. Okay, so when we talk about this is just a dismissal of these are just far right wing talking points. I remember when Tom Cotton was being called a, a, a right wing conspiracy theorist for saying, wait a minute. These COVID origins, this is pretty fishy. Except he was right. He was right. Bingo. No, but well, Bingo. That's a di- isn't what, that the difference? A, what the is- difference is, for so long he was told you can't talk about the COVID origins, so much of the media has gatekeeped if it benefits Democrats. We were told for the, the WHO put out a tweet. These inst- established institutions put out a tweet saying that, well, COVID can't be transmitted human to human. And then the New York Times, when, when Tom Cotton says, hey, you know, maybe we should have law and order. They they fire people what, for saying what, that. One hundred percent have one hundred percent right. Us. What is Vivek Ramaswamy telling about the origins of COVID that you didn't just already articulate? He pretends like he's got this secret truth that he alone is is going to reveal that the other candidates aren't talking about. Ron DeSantis has been on stage in all of these debates saying Donald Trump made a mistake by not firing Anthony Fauci. So that's the thing that, that that's the that is the magic trick that's going on here when he puts up an ad like that, where he's like, I alone am the one doing the courageous thing and talking about this thing. That's not fucking real. It's but, not real. But also and it, and it makes our, it makes our voters conspiratorial about things that we already agree on. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yep. And it makes it weirder and weirder and weirder. It just it's just D- does anyone think that if the Ruthless Variety program found evidence of widespread voter fraud, that we wouldn't be doing backflips to tell you about it? Of course we would. Of course we would. This is what we do for a living. Now, we've told you on numerous occasions that Democrats change laws unilaterally, in some case completely unconstitutionally, in in my view, to try to accommodate a moment in time where we dealt with lockdowns. Lockdowns, by the way, that were endorsed at the time by the sitting president of the United States, Donald Trump. And that's when the, the, the fight should have happened, is when these Democrat governors were passing all this, that summer of 2020. But there were a lot of Republicans who did, including Ron DeSantis, including Brian Kemp. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. The fight did happen. We were there. So don't come at me now with like, well, it was Hugo Chavez. <laughs> then it was like, no, there were bags of ballots. And then it was whatever Rudy Giuliani came up with and all this nonsense, all of which has been summarily investigated and dismissed. And they're like, no, but the real problem was the Democrats changed these laws. Well, that's the one thing that these guys could control. It's the one thing they can control. So like, that's not, you're not a victim of that. If you're not educating people throughout the course of it, you're going to be a victim in the end, but it's on your own hand. I, I, I think my ultimate, like... Like, it's... That's why I fucking have such a problem with... My, and he understood it at the time. He knows that it. That guy understood it. And, and this is what I want to get to here, because because what Vivek is doing there, and he's smart. He knows what the hell he's doing. He's doing BLM for MAGA. That's what it is. It's grievance politics. It's hands up, don't shoot for Republicans. Yeah. It's just creating myths that you can then use to create grievance that gets you a little bit more time on Fox News but or maybe gets you a few more points. But but didn't this kind of grievance thing essentially that's the beating heart of the left, isn't it? This yeah, kind so, of BLM, so, so, so bullshit, you're, you're just being stuff? you're just being nihilistic about it and you're like we should do that too. I think we I, should be BLM. The thing is is that I think there is this evidence situation. be damned. If 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 it makes you like a just an absolute cynic to give the left a taste of their own medicine, 
I say the hell with it. I say burn it all down. I do love Let your them pr- feel I, the horrors that they've inflicted on us. All, like I've all, way too much investment. All I would say, I would, just, just one more thing. All I would say is Vivek Ramaswamy wrote an entire book called Nations of Nation of Victims and talked about how the GOP has become a party of crybabies and talked about how we've incorporated the crybaby rhetoric of the left and made grievance politics part of our politics. And that's what he did that entire 30-second add-on. Yeah. And that is the He literally wrote the book shit. on it. The he saddest wrote the- shit. He literally <laughs> did it. He literally did it. That is so funny. Wrote the book on it. I love it. All right. So we're going to get off that. Listen, I hope everyone tunes in on Monday. It's going to be a good show. There's no thumbs on the scale here on the Variety program. We're going to tell you exactly what you are experiencing in real time in a way that you're probably not going to see on the networks. So tune in, and we'll have Smug on the ground freezing his nuts off, <laughs> which is like... Which will also be entertaining. In and of oh. itself, worth tuning in. <laughs> We've got some late-breaking news here. This is actually a pretty substantial development, one that we wanted to cover for you all right away. It has a very serious impact, potentially, on voting here in the next few weeks. Chris Christie has announced this evening that he will be dropping out of the presidential race. Of course, we've been dealing with the consolidation of the field throughout. The difference is, is that Christie individually has held a very high market share in the state of New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. New Hampshire is one that in recent weeks has become closer and closer with Donald Trump uh, moving from the 50s down to the 40s and may, perhaps even the mid-30s, as we've seen polls over the last couple of weeks. It's also shown Nikki Haley grow a consolidated number of sort of anti-Trump votes on the conservative side of the spectrum that has put her within striking distance. Christie has been in that 10, 12, 14% mark. She is only single digits behind. Uh, You don't have to actually be a political scientist to figure out that if they're not voting for Chris Christie, people could potentially migrate towards Nikki Haley. We have a real race there. Fellas. This is a big development. Chris is a good friend of ours. Spent a lot of time with us explaining why he was running for president. What are your reactions? Smug. I mean, first off, I want to say uh, incredible guy. Great guy, first off. A, a Class A human. Uh, outstanding governor. Outstanding person. Um, I think he did see that given the way that, you know, the, the voting percentages, the polls where they're headed, um, he saw it was less than realistic that he would get the nomination, but he does see that, like you mentioned, he has a, a significant market share in New Hampshire. Like uh, that essentially, his if it consolidated his support and went to somebody else, that changes everything. Um, and I think seeing that, uh, he made this tough decision. I mean, it's, and, and, and I mean, it's, it's shocking. You see all the, the discussion that's happening right now in real time going around this. It's just, I mean, I think a lot of people are stunned. Didn't see it coming. Duncan? Look, I think it's the right decision. Um, politics, though, is not a zero-sum game. Um, and, you know, I, I, we've gotten some criticism on this show, I think, for, you know, what people would say. is like, oh, we're going to entertain everybody who's going to run for president and see what, you know, have them come on the show and all this sort of stuff. And the reason why, like... I thought we had to do that, and I assume all of you guys agree, is that you want the base of the Republican Party as big as possible. We want this Iowa caucus to be successful. Mm -hmm. We want people, whether they're suburban moms or rural voters 
or whoever. Because you want to win a general election. Because you want to come out and vote. Yeah. And that's why you want the Chris Christie's of the world in a Republican primary. Yeah. If he's inspired people to become a part of the process that ultimately that's a win. Vote. That is a win for yeah. our party. And that's the thing that people don't understand. And I get it. Like they have an anxiety and they're like, I, you know, I support this candidate. Why doesn't everybody else drop out and support my candidate? Or why doesn't everybody drop out and support Donald Trump? And I totally get that. But what Chris Christie did was what Chris Christie sought to do. Right. Yeah. He was like, I want to have an alternative to Donald Trump, and I'm going to articulate that point on the debate stage. And now he's no longer in a position in which he can carry that message forward in a real way. Yeah, and so I made, get it. Made the tough decision. Smash your take. Look, he provided what was maybe the most entertaining conversation we've ever aired here on the Variety program. Like him, love his politics, hate his politics. Objectively, a very entertaining guy and naturally personable. And I have a very, very good feeling that him walking away from the presidential race doesn't mean he's walking away from the presidential conversation. And so what I look forward to is hearing from him in the months to come, maybe here even on the show to talk about, you know, lessons learned or what he sees for the Republican Party going forward. Um, obviously, he's, he's been notched right at 12 points in in new hampshire for the last few polls in the most recent one this uh, university of new hampshire poll has nikki haley within a stone's throw from trump so could this put her ahead of trump maybe yeah and i just think that it is it's one of the most fascinating turns that we've seen in this primary so far let me just tell you my first impression when i heard this first of all i was surprised because chris fights the death on everything he just does um but I remember when he was sitting here and we asked him whether he was considering, we did several interviews with Chris, hung out with Chris off air. And when we asked him if he was considering running for president, he said, yes, he was considering running for president. And we asked him why. And he said, because I don't think anybody's going to actually prosecute the argument against Donald Trump. And I think I can do that effectively. And I think it's important for the Republican Party to have a choice, a meaningful choice against Donald Trump. And that has come into conflict in recent weeks with the rise of Nikki Haley in New Hampshire and knowing that you've got a handful, you know, 10, 12 percent of, of Chris Christie voters are certainly not going to Donald Trump. You know, you can question whether they're all going to Nikki Haley or they're going to kind of scatter around, but they're certainly not going to go to Donald Trump. And so I've tried to sort of rectify that in my head. I've, you know, thought about it a lot but I got a lot of respect for the guy and I know what he was doing but in the end when he decided to get out before the Iowa caucus that's the ultimate selfless move here mm, what point. he what he told us is a hundred percent true and you can say a lot of things about Chris Christie of the past and everything whether or not you know he was a, a selfless individual politically or what have you but in this moment, he told you why he was running for president. And if you believed him, in the end, at the end of that campaign, you were 100% vindicated. Because in the end, he believes there needs to be a meaningful choice here. And he knows that he's not going to provide it. I can only imagine how painful that is. I know how hard Mary Pat worked. Yeah. I know how hard Chris worked on this deal. You know, guys like Duhame and Jones and all those guys... 
you know, they're all working their tails off because they believe in Chris. So to come to the conclusion that it was more important than them, that says something about it, an operation. Yeah. It says something, you know, look, it said something about Mike Pence's operation. Yeah. Tim Scott's operation. Right. Right. But in this moment, when you've got a meaningful role to play, choosing this path based on what you originally said is the reason you're running for, in the first place, hats off. Hats off. I, I Look, love him or hate him, he's doing exactly what he said he would do. And for that, as a politician, I got nothing but love for that. I really don't. It's just, it's, it's as good as it gets. Cosign. 100%. Um, all right. So let's go to uh, some five stars. Shall we? Yeah. Sure. Uh, we always do that by starting with The Voice. Okay. So this first one comes from Gold Shoes 310, titled Blowhole Advice for the Win. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I love this one. Fellas, I teach fifth grade, and we just finished studying the British colonies as we gear up for the American Revolution. Patriot. Well, today when we were reviewing New England's economy and whaling, a kid asked how they actually caught the whales. Oh, yeah. Thanks to Ashbrook, I had a full explanation ready to go, and I demonstrated how one would pencil jump into the blowhole <laughs> so it couldn't breathe. I then discussed Smug's point about who would take delivery of the whale back on shore. My brilliant students already knew how important the oil was. <laughs> And how well-lit colonial homes might be thanks to that oil. It was a fun moment of levity that gave us all a very, very good laugh. Thanks for the great show. I've been listening since day one and look forward to Tuesdays and Thursdays each week. God, gold shoes. That's yeah. What a great review. That That's great. Fantastic. Fantastic. That gives me faith again in, in school. God. I know. We I had, hope my kids get a we had like so that. much. We had so much negativity, and this is why I love our listeners so much, is you can listen to this show... You can agree with us, you can disagree with us, but we can all just kind of be friends and laugh, and you. laugh yeah. you know? Yep. And you and and that's what I love about reading the five stars is you can like finally get a little feedback from the audience being like, you know what? You did it right. Plus I, I, I <laughs> envision him teaching how Duncan would put the feet in one hole in his face and chest. Yeah, like a gumby. Like the, gumby. Uh, like, gumby. <laughs> just gotta go around it. Yeah. And then and then the Eiffel Tower. Oh, course, no. Let's not get no, back no, into that. Listen, the kids should learn somewhere. It's better us than somewhere else. Uh, all right. Uh, what do you got, Duncan? This is Badger Jair, 1999. Question, fellas. Great year on the pod is the title. Badger writes, I continue to share Ruthless with friends and listen to you. With my kids, aged 15, 18, and 21. Oh, it's perfect. It's one of their defenses against the indoctrination they face in school, and we enjoy it. Two questions for you. What is the proper etiquette on a fight when a flight when stuck in a middle seat between a couple that carries on conversations mm -hmm. with each other across you? Great question for Smug. Uh, for those of us in Nova... What's your favorite watering hole to grab a bourbon after work? Mm. Oh. These are really good questions. They are. Really, really, really good questions. The first one's pretty easy from my perspective, but Smug, since it's directed to you, what do you got? What well, do you got? I mean, this is kind of a strange thing. So, uh, um, You're in the middle seat, and two people are carrying on a conversation over top of you. This is what, you so it's a three? There's rows with three people. Oh, my God. That's 
Number one, that's just a, how, what a what how does that an elitist, elitist, <laughs> elitist dick. Just an incredible. I mean, so if I had to be in such a crazy situation to begin with, right? You decide whether you prefer aisle or window, and then, uh, you know, you say, "Here's the deal: is I'm going to take aisle, and you folks are going to carry on without me." Yeah, that's that's the move. you you lay down the law, and if they try to be like, "Oh, we want to sit in a, a science seat," it's like, "Well, then the other option is you don't talk." Well, so, so so that's the thing, smug, and it goes back to my theme of where we are today: garbage culture. Yep. Is that like who would do this? Who would do this, right? Like, if you were traveling somebody else and you had window aisle and you were engaging in conversations, which you're leaning forward around a person, how is it not incumbent upon you to be like, hey, hey, sir, do you want the aisle? Yeah, you want the aisle? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a meet your first move. If it it feels like something that should be in the Constitution. Yeah, you know, like like an like a thing that is obvious to people who want to live in a society where people respect each other. Yeah, and the fact that it isn't garbage culture. If they say no, I I bring out an iPad. Yeah, and I and I put on the most offensive content that I can think of, mm -hmm. and I just. <laughs> Put it up. No headphones. And I just sit there and watch it like I'm like brain dead. Yeah. I mean, at minimum, so it's there's they put a chair on each side. <laughs> the, the, for people. For people. <laughs> I love that it's never occurred to you there's a middle seat. It's insane. Okay, so let's handle question number two here, which is what's your favorite watering hole to grab a bourbon after work? Well, it, but he's saying in Nova. In Nova, yeah. Which is, you know, look, it, there's multiple ranges of Nova. I mean, if you're in Old Town, you got a lot of options. A lot of great options. A lot of stuff to work with there. If you're like in Arlington, you got uh, windows down. Windows down pretty quickly. We used to have this old place that closed down called Burnt Thirsty Burns. Thirsty Burns. Oh, Thirsty Burns was the best. Yeah, as you may know, if you're deep into the lore of the show, we started this during COVID where we'd watch TVG and bet horses and be on Zoom at about 5 p.m. Yeah. every night. Um, Thirsty Burns has TVG on all the time. Oh, just bet on the, the ponies. Time. All the time. <laughs> that's where we did. That's where we went. It's not exactly a classy place, but like we can mix it up anywhere. Yeah. And it, it was centrally located and I loved Thirsty Burns. It's now gone. It's now gone. Let me just put on a shout out our boy Jay at Bottom Line. Oh, that's, yeah. that's oh, the yeah. only oh, place man. to drink, period. If you go, if you're in D.C. and you're around the White House, uh, go to Bottom Line and ask for Jay. Yeah. Because that's the guy you're going to want to talk to. Yeah. If Jay's not there, you, you can leave. Honestly, I don't think there's really any other choice. But you got to go in there and you ask for Jay, and, and Jay will hook you up, and you can talk about literally anything you'd like to talk about, and he's got a story for it, you. And it's the ideal bar. Yeah. It's like... Nobody's I, gonna I, find you there. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's an ideal dive. You're literally underground. You're, there's not gonna be like you can go to some bars and here you go. You've got a uh, um, a bachelorette party where they're all screaming and wearing these ridiculous crowns or whatever. It's not happening. No, nope, everyone there. there is drinking with purpose. <laughs> you know, you're there with your compatriots. Everyone knows where you're trying to get. Yeah, and you're getting there fast. Yep, I love that. All right, that's our recommendation. Smug, we've got a, a third review. What do you got? All right, so this is either from Oink Inc. Oink Inc. Or O Ink Inc. Finally <laughs> is the title. So you can do the podcast without swearing. Woohoo! I would share the heck out of this podcast. If the language could be controlled. In? Please continue. 
I Did agree. McDaniel I put this agree. in? Well, McDaniel put this in? I, of course he did. I live for having content that can be shared across families. Like we just had someone who said that they share with a 15, 18, 21 year old. You know, I love that you can convey a message without offending people, uh, especially young children. I think it, this is an ideal show for young children to learn about the truth of what's going on in this can country. I, can I respond? But you don't need to drop like F bombs. Can I talk can, about, you know, well, very, first of all, you're the worst things. offender. So I never, that's absolutely I never insane. Swear. But can I respond? Please do. Fuckity fuck fuck <laughs> shit fuck See, cock look, This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> okay. Like, look, this is not a children's show. Ish. And I understand that a lot of people listen to this on the way to work and you maybe have your kids and that that's part of it. But like, we don't swear be- to swear. We and, swear. And for those folks, emphasis. I will never stop can fighting for you and your family. <laughs> <laughs> We swear with emphasis and purpose, and it's part of the English language. And frankly, it's the most artistic version for, of for the For those English parents language. and those families, I will never stop fighting for you. <laughs> You're the worst defender of this all, <laughs> of all of this. And I love your your. This is a children's thing. Yeah, you know it's a family show. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I do. Look, no, I do this show, Michael. <laughs> I do this show because I like hanging out with my friends. Yeah. I'm not going to talk like, we, a, like a news broadcaster. Yeah. Like, th- that's the thing. Is like There's plenty of places to go for that. And look. You can listen to NPR. You can. You if can. If you want. But if you want the unvarnished, and I I feel like, I, you know, I don't know if I speak for all of us, but I feel like the cursing sometimes adds a little emphasis. It's important I, emphasis. It helps me. It puts the right emphasis in the right syllable. <laughs> and and, and, and I, I don't like doing it i got young kids and i go home and i say gosh and geez and, and your mom uh, listens we already know and that. i know and she doesn't appreciate it and i get that i get that mom and i get that for everybody who doesn't want us to, to mcconnell curse. mcconnell asked me that too. i know like, he, you guys i know have to, he you guys have to swear all the time no and i'm like yep but it, i i could only do this show twice a week if it was us doing this hanging out yeah like this show this is not a bit like we're not doing it. We're not doing it. <laughs> no, it's not. This is what we do. Right. We're like, this, sometimes they don't tell us the camera's just rolling. This is, <laughs> you know, th- th- this is the conversation we have all the time. And I want to tell you authentically, like, this is who we are and this is what we do. Yeah. And if I, and if we started by censoring ourselves like that, then what else would we censor? And so that's why. That's right. Yeah. Every, well every, every family, every household is different. Everybody has a different approach to swearing. My grandfather used to wear a shirt that said money talks and bullshit walks. <laughs> and he wore it walking down the street in his neighborhood where he was an upstanding member of the community. That shirt goes hard. It's pretty good. Yeah, I love that. Every <laughs> single family takes a different approach to this. And I, I just think sometimes you get you get blowback. Sometimes you get people who say this is fantastic. And it's just, it goes with the if territory. My, if my kids don't learn to eloquently use swear words and in the appropriate audience, uh, they're going to learn it from somewhere else. So, we'll teach your kids yeah. to swear the right way. Swear we'll te- good. We will teach him how to swear the right way. Yeah. And that's important for all of you. You should think about Actually, we should just teach a swearing class. Or maybe, maybe we get a swear it. jar and we donate the chair. I don't know. We can donate the charity. I'm, I'm not going to apologize for it. Yeah. I just I appreciate that. McDaniel can. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's get back to the real news. So you're going to hear a lot uh, this week, next week, about government shutdowns. And we've talked about this a lot in the past, about how this is like the porn for 
Capitol Hill press. They're like, oh, they just shut down, they just shut down, they just shut down. Yeah. You'll recall that Kevin McCarthy was ultimately ousted because he chose to not shut down the government. And uh, the promise of incoming Speaker Johnson was that they would work towards a resolution on a variety of bills that gave some Republican priorities to them uh, while they passed a short-term extension, keeping the lights on in the government, and then ultimately in January that they would you know, get their, their jobs done. Not surprisingly, uh, the Tim Burchett uh, view of the world that like all debt would be canceled if you threw Kevin McCarthy out of office has not come to fruition for yeah. us. I love how he's b- become our shorthand for like just don't blink and everything will happen that you want. Because it was because of that interview he did with our guest today. With Kilmeade. You know, there was If like, you don't get it, it you know, it, listen to the interview and then go back and, and watch Kilmeade grill him. Yeah. Yeah. So none of us, look, we are in terms of all of the conservative podcasts probably the most right wing when it comes to fiscal issues but in large part we're the more most right wing because we talk about them in ways that they matter and like the stuff that they're talking about now doesn't matter at all it is literally tears into an ocean of shit that we have to fix and yet you get this constant like alamo moment with this House Republican conference where they're not allowing any speaker, whether it's Johnson, McCarthy, or anybody else, to actually just keep the government open, to make their political arguments, to do things like impeach Mayorkas and 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 push for border uh, security and things like that, because they're all wrapped around the axle fighting themselves over a tear in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing it again. And let me just tell you how it ends. We can just, maybe just wrap this up. Okay. Uh, they're not going to become. They're not going to have a conclusion in the House of Representatives. Really? No. Like Johnson laid out what would get them through a short period of time and allow them to actually do the work to get some conservative priorities in there. And of course, they're all crybaby shit about it. Am I happy about any of that shit? No, I'm no. not. But you also have a one seat majority. That is, I mean, like at this point, literally a one seat, a one seat majority. Think yeah. about that, folks. and and you have a Democratic Senate and Democratic President, so you have to like learn how to govern and then get grab your leverage. The art of being a great leader in, in federal government is understanding where you have leverage, and then executing it efficiently when you have leverage. They have no leverage, and they know they have no leverage mm. because the back end of all of this is a government shutdown and the the absolute conveyance to the world that you have no idea what it is that you're doing and that's the back end of it so what's how this ends is the senate is just going to jam the shit out of the house and they're going to end up passing some short-term deal and they don't have any choice because a part of all of the government funding that we're talking about here is all military and and milcon budget as they call it which there's no chance in this time of, of like war or whatever. You're not going to shut that down. You're not going to deal. You're not going to walk away from that. So it's going to happen. The question is whether you can come to that conclusion sooner rather than later. It would be great if there was like no suspense and they just dealt with all of this. And then you went to work on trying to change it. Because all these problems are inherited problems and problems that Democrats created. So you can draw a good political contrast and then work to try to change it when you do have some leverage. They don't have any. 
So now it's going to be this big thing, and Republicans are under the focus, and everybody's going to say. So, like, so oh, part, part of the part of the problem part of the problem comes from a handful of House members, of which Chip Roy is not one of them. Chip is somebody who has fought for lower spending and conservative values for years and years and years. But there are a handful of House members who are much more concerned with being the center of attention than actually changing the way that the government works and reducing the debt and reducing spending. Yeah, but didn't, so Chip, didn't, Chip, put, didn't Chip Roy say he won? He he was open to vacating the chair again on this speaker. Okay, okay yeah, but okay, did. but but he didn't do that on Kevin McCarthy. No, he said he was down to do it now. He was down yeah. to do it again. Like that's the thing is like, why do we lose rev- uh, leverage? Because we keep giving Ashbrook it away again, trying to ruin things. He, he keeps giving he it away. Okay. No, no, okay. no, no, no. Okay, <laughs> okay. 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 I'm it's, sorry. I'm no. sorry. I'm sorry. But this week is not the first week of Republican conservative politics. They removed Kevin McCarthy, and we got nothing. Right. Tim Burch and is talking like, about you. Try it again. Dude, like, Tim Burch. I think we do it one more time. Oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Chip Roy voted to remove <laughs> Kevin McCarthy. Did Chip Roy vote no, to remove? No, 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 no. He didn't. He didn't. No, he didn't. No, You're no. blaming him for something no, 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 he no, no, did no. not do. No, no. So I, am, so I do my homework before I show up. Okay. I'll, I'll he listen. said he I'm would listening. do it right now. Listen to me. I'm gonna listen. Listen. I'm listening. I tried already, but here's what I'm gonna say: is he? I did my homework. Okay. Stop. 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 There is a culture among House Republicans and some middle mid-level like Twitter influencers who want to create problems for conservatives and not find a solution. And this is part and parcel of the problem. Yeah. I mean, that's true. That's 100% true. Yeah, well, I, I think our, it is true. Our, our, our I mean, prob- I think right now, like trying, when we have a one seat majority, it's just being right. like, you know what? Let's We're go for vac- the vacate again. So, so I, I wanted to get back to one thing that you said. And I, I think problem of the show sometimes is that we sort of like, very quickly go over something that's obvious to us that might not be obvious yeah, to our listeners. Can, can we play the clip first? Let's yeah, sure. Whatever you're about y- to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's play the clip so it just sets up what it is that we're talking about. So, anyway. Now to some breaking news to tell you about. Congress and the White House may be closer to avoiding a partial government shutdown in 12 days. House Speaker Mike Johnson announced... An agreement has been reached on top-line spending levels. He calls it the most favorable budget agreement Republicans have reached in more than a decade. President Biden welcomed the deal, saying it'll protect important national priorities. It's now up to Congress to go line by line and fund each federal agency. So my question to you, Holmes, is why did we lose leverage? Because, you know, we, we, we had a deal with McCarthy and then they ousted him because of the deal that he cut. And now it's he se- made the top line deal. He right. made it during the debt ceiling. Yeah. And it was a debt ceiling that passed. And if you adhere to that top line deal that the Republican Speaker of the House has made and you just execute the plan there under, nobody has any leverage because you kept your word. Mm-hmm. Because the deal that you came to to be law actually got executed and mm. he did it with a much more robust republican majority in a much more favorable republican environment and so now you find yourself six eight months later in a much smaller republican majority in a worse political environment and like democrats are basically like, go fuck yourself yeah you know, I mean, they don't. This is the problem with looking. You already ousted your speaker right. over the deal we made in right. June. When you look the gift horse in the mouth, and then like now, now here we are all these months later, and we did this here on the show. 
just for all of our listeners who maybe were mad at us and they were like, why are they defending Kevin McCarthy and all of this sort of stuff? Look where we are now. If you're if your first reaction to all of this is oust Johnson, I would just say like you don't know anything. Yeah. About the way this works. And I'm not saying that that like the way it works is the way it should work. What I'm saying, if you want to change the way it works, you're not going to do it with a one seat majority in the House and a Democratic Mm -hmm. Senate and Democratic president. What you're going to have to do is give yourself the absolute best political footing to make the case to the American people. You ought to change both of those things, all three of those things, Mm -hmm. and then go about what the work of change. Which is a very doable proposition. That's a very so that's a very astute and insane explanation of what needs to be done is the issue here is we need to expand and actually have a place where we can operate and get the things to happen that wow. we want to happen. Wow, Smug's that, a rhino. That, no. Smug, he wants to accomplish things. So here's the thing. I just want to yell and burn it down. For for Ashbrook, <laughs> for Ashbrook, there was an episode, I want to say it was maybe even like a year ago now at this point. I remember um, Holmes was on the road for work, and me and Duncan sat down, we explained how spending bills and stuff work. <laughs> yeah. So Ashbrook, We're experts. I would refer to that so you can get a grasp on That's the, yeah. very smart. Works. Yeah. I remember your intricate explanation yeah, at the I act broke of re- reconciliation. That's yeah. it, reconciliation. So it has to be an economic bill. And I, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And Smug, everybody tuned in for that. It was because great. Because it was a real lesson for yeah. all of us. Well, Sm- everybody knows Smug and I know the most about how the legislative process works. <laughs> like the back of our hand. Not these rhinos who worked in the system. Yeah. Yep. Like, system rhinos. Like me and Smug. System rhinos. Yeah. That's what I call them. Yeah, right. Exactly. System rhinos. Yeah, Smug and I listen to grassroots. That's right. That's so, right. So I guess my, look, if there's one takeaway that I could have about all of this, don't get worked up. Yeah. Don't get worked up. That's good advice. We got bigger fish to fry. We've got you know, hopefully they figure out how to deal with government funding and everything else. We got a lot of stuff going on overseas in particular. You want to make sure that the American military in particular does not have any funding shortfalls at this at this particular moment. But we're electing new presidents. We're doing all kinds of different stuff. This is not something to die over. I would just hope we could do something on the border that yes. the American people demand and that we can figure out a way to make this so happen in the so, deal. So thank you for bringing that up. So it's separate and this gets very convoluted. It does. because I, I mean, I barely understand it. Separately, point. they're doing something that has been a negotiation in the United States Senate that deals with Israeli aid, uh, Ukrainian aid and border. And Republicans smartly said, if we're going to do something in the foreign field, we're definitely going to do something about our border because we've got a huge problem. Yeah. Democrats were like, no, 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 no. And then finally they're like, uh, I guess we got to do something. Yeah, they know how to read polls too. Yeah, they're like, I guess we got to do something. So uh, they tasked James Lankford, Oklahoma, to try to negotiate with Democrats, which, by the way, negotiating with Democrats on the issue of immigration, very difficult yeah. task. But this dude has done a very good job. He was on Fox News on Sunday. I thought he did a good job laying out. But but it has the capacity of being the first meaningful legislative uh, change in terms of how we deal with border um, that we've had basically in my lifetime. I mean, we've had incredible administration changes like the Trump administration with the yeah. Remain in Mexico policy. Yeah, but all executive orders. The title, yeah, yeah, all that stuff, the, the asylum claims and all of those things. Very, very important pieces. But 
Congress has not dealt with it at all. Yeah. He's on the verge of being able to do a whole bunch of that. Now, ultimately, we'll see if that remains like Democrats are still resistant to an awful lot of it. If I was the Biden administration, by the way, I'd say yes to anything that that guy proposes at this point, because the political liability that Democrats have on the on the border and immigration is just horrible just horrible mm-hmm. but they're not smart enough to deal with that and they're ideological and ultimately as i said uh, hamas is a constituency That's right it. so like they're not going to be able to <laughs> one once hamas is a constituency yeah. all the rules go out they're all gone you know they're remember as, as smug always says they all raised their hand at that debate they, did. they all they they said let them all in they did yeah. they did that so that text was supposed to be released this week. I'm a told smash maybe next week. Yeah, it was supposed to be Wednesday, but it's getting pushed back to next week. So if you're looking for like the border stuff, it's separate from what we're talking about with the government uh, closing or government opening. Mm-hmm. It's a different package. Okay. So anyway, that's very confusing. You know, look, I apologize if we get a little granular at times, but I think it's important that we explain this to people because nobody else does. No one else will. Nobody else does. So anyway, that's what's happening there. Did you guys see this shit? Speak- it leads perfectly right into this. Yeah. Do you see? So this is a New York City school. It's closing to its students to house illegal aliens. That's where we are. So this is according to the New York Post. The students from uh, Brooklyn High School were kicked out of a classroom to make room for nearly 2,000 migrants who were evacuated from a controversial tent shelter due to a monster storm closing in on the Big Apple. The city made the move amid concerns of a massive migrant tent at Floyd Bennett Field that would collapse during torrential rains and gusts. We, Lord knows we know what the weather situation is. But this is where we're sitting right now. So if we can put up that graphic, actually, graphic two. Um, this is... Insanity. Insanity. This is insane. All classes will be remote. All classes. So students, tax-paying students and families of this area are not able to go to their school. Please log in to your teacher's Google Classrooms for your required assignments. The completion of your assignments will dictate your attendance for the day. Mm. Teachers will be available via Zoom if requested. If requested. So prior, prior, prior by email. So, so like, it's not like you're doing the assignment like a normal student would in their classroom and be yeah. like, They hey, can't get taught! I got a question about number four. Nope, you didn't submit an email prior because your school is now housing illegal aliens. So can we play the clip? Clip two? Yeah, for the, for the folks who, who aren't on the YouTube... You're watching school buses being used right now to bring in literally busloads of illegal aliens who are now going to be able to use the schools that were intended to be used by the students whose families pay the taxes so that the school can operate. I mean, this the There's levels of outrage. Ten buses. I mean, it's just an enormous amount of people. Like they said 2,000. 2,000. Nearly 70,000 migrants remain in the city's care. Uh, among the 162,000 that have arrived in the five boroughs from the U.S. border since the spring of 2022, I, can I can I just say something? I love this. I love this. I love it. I, I um, 
You know, uh, the leftists, like the Marxists, talk about heightening the contradictions a lot when they talk about our system. And that that is what this is. Right on. Like, that's like and his inner city school <clears throat> kids getting thrown out of school. We actually we actually get to do that to them now. Bingo. You know, because I've never heard anybody in New York complain about the social services in Texas getting spread too nope. thin. They don't they don't yeah. say you know, they don't give a shit about that. For yeah. years they're they like our city is a sanctuary city. They don't care. Okay, they, like no individual is illegal. They don't care. So I, everyone in Texas just shut up. And we've talked about it in the show, dude, that like like how these school districts in places like Texas have become the new Ellis Island in this country where like the most important thing is ESL. Like now finally there are other people in this country who see the reality of the problem that we've had on our southern border and they have to live it in their own community it's very easy to say i'm a sanctuary city every person deserves and has worth and can be in our country it's very very different when you're confronted with the realities of a finite budget with infrastructure that you have with people you can't house and this is so this is central to the progressive movement to liberals is all of their beliefs that they hold is completely predicated on someone else paying for it, yeah. someone else taking care of it. Yeah. They want to be able to be like, listen, I'm a saint. I believe no individual is illegal. People in Texas, you pay for it. People in Texas, yeah. you take care of the problem. Yeah. I want to be able to stay in New York City. I want to be able to stay in Martha's Vineyard. I want to enjoy my day. <laughs> right. And I don't want to have to deal with this shit. But I am going to be holier than thou. As long as you people yeah, handle this problem, look, for there's me. that there's that quote on the the Statue of Liberty, "Send us your huddled masses." But then there's this tiny little asterisk that says, "Only if they're in Texas." Bingo. That's <laughs> yeah, the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, no, it's so true. like you know, outstanding work, Governor Abbott. Keep those buses rolling. And here's the other thing: is, is it wasn't mentioned in this report, but uh, Mayor Adams in New York City has passed a new regulation where he's only allowing these like massive buses. Uh, to enter the city between the hours of like 7.30 a.m. and 10 a.m. And if buses try bringing in illegal aliens afterwards, they're turned off, uh, told to go back or they get fined and impounded. Really? So he's trying to be like as difficult as possible to live up to his city saying that, oh, we're a sanctuary between the hours of 7.30 a.m. and 10 a.m. Yeah. I mean, those endless. Like they're doing whatever they can to not live up to, oh, you know, where where no person is, is illegal. Or, I don't know. Could do something about border security. No, yeah. no, uh, that'd be crazy. That'd be crazy. Just, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe just make sure it doesn't happen. And so, like, you know, again, very recently, you Idiots. had this case in Boston where the mayor was like, we're going to have a separate holiday party where white <laughs> people aren't allowed. And then they interviewed afterwards, and she was like, so here's the thing is that, like, no individual is illegal. Like, we need to uh, uh, understand that this is a country of immigrants, whether send illegal or not. Cambridge. That's what I said. That was send my first all, Send I everybody said, to Cambridge. Mayor Abbott. Next town, send the buses to Boston and keep them rolling. Get them all in there. I want, it, like, MITs in that area, yeah. too. All, all those folks you know? in Beacon Hill be like, my goodness, I, I, I thought no person was illegal, but I shouldn't have to deal with this. Yeah, but boy, oh boy. Yeah, there you boy, go. Boy, oh boy. This is my five-star Michelin restaurant is not going to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Overrun. <There you> go. <laughs> uh, all right, so do you guys want some variety? Yes. Always. I think it's time for some. We've covered some. This has been some. We've covered tough topics here. Yeah. So let's like we covered it all. So here's a story. Let's set it up with clip number three. Wolf, this is uh, this is good stuff. Man from Florida is suing Dunkin' Donuts over an ill-fated visit to the bathroom. Man <laughs> says he stopped at a location in Winter Park last year when the store's toilet exploded. Lawsuit says he ended up soaking wet in toilet water and other substances. 
He says employees knew that toilet had been on the fritz. The suit says he suffered long-term injuries as a result of the mishap, and he's asking for $100,000 in damages. <laughs> long-term damage? Wait, hold on. I've got so many questions. Unbelievable. I've got so many questions. He said uh, toilet water and other substance, uh, presumably talking about shit there. Yeah, poop. Right? He's got poop on him. Uh, but the the thing the thing actually explodes. So this is according to the AP, the Associated Press. Yeah. Uh, customers filed negligence lawsuit against Duncan, uh, claiming he was injured in an exploding toilet at one of the coffee chain's locations in Central Florida. Paul Kerouac is seeking uh, more than a hundred thousand dollars in a lawsuit filed Wednesday in a state court in Orlando, claiming he su suffered severe and long-term injuries. So I, we obviously can't speak to whether or not he's had severe and long-term injuries, uh, but I've got a lot of questions about how the toilet exploded. I, I, I don't. I mean, I'm stunned by this entire story to begin with for so many reasons. Number one, uh, he was uh, covered. He was, he's in Orlando. That is a messy toilet. Like, <laughs> if there was any oh. town where you would not be surprised to be in, like, no, it's going to Orlando. Shit conditions. It's Orlando. Number two. I'm surprised you didn't think it was coffee. Duncan's coffee is the most overrated <laughs> oh, 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 in the game. No. You have all these like people from these mass holes in, in Massachusetts are like, ah, Duncan, it's the best coffee <laughs> in America. No, it's not. Their coffee sucks. It's trash. It's all burnt garbage coffee. And this guy, you know, if you end up in a situation where you're covered in shit and Duncan, be like, I, that must be the coffee. He deserved I, you know, it. You know, kudos to him for realizing it wasn't the coffee. Are you saying he, could, he deserved he, it? He deserved it. He so, had it coming. Hold on, hold on. After the explosion... Kerouac left covered in human feces, oh. urine, oh. and debris, and he walked out of the men's uh, room seeking help from workers and the store manager. An employee told him that they were aware of a problem with the toilet, quote-unquote, since there have been previous incidents. And the lost <laughs> Previous incidents? Jesus what Christ. What kind of toilets do they have in I don't, I don't know. know. I, Can you imagine if you're standing in line for a dozen donuts to take into your office and like some guy walks out no, of the no, bathroom just... covered in poop and he starts yelling at the lady who's taking your order? You're like, you start going through, I'm going to have a glazed and then I'd like a couple powdered and I know that... Phyllis really wants a I mean, blueberry. chocolate donuts are off the table. I can tell you that oh, much. The guy just comes out of the corner of your eye and he starts screaming at the, the owner. I mean. Don't you kind of picture him also getting just blown through the door of the bathroom? But that's in, a Duncan. Into the main room? Duncans are, they're horrible places to begin with. They're no, always they're filthy. Not. The coffee's trash. That's the people there have a bad attitude. Take. There's no good Duncan. Who hurt you at a Duncan? It's true. The coffee's trash. Everyone who listens to this, you know in your heart, it's awful, awful who, coffee. I, I, I have Terrible to places. Think. They're always filthy, and bad people are always in there. Oh this is how you God. end up in this situation. Bad people. Bad people are there. <laughs> okay. I, 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 I have... I, I, it's, it's just people picking up donuts <laughs> for their friends. Bad people. <laughs> what... what a, <laughs> All they're trying to do is give their co-workers a little lift. Just an apple fritter. <laughs> well, it's Kira's birthday this, this morning. So I think... Fuck you. Shit on your face. Yeah. I, I, get. Like, I think... I mean, I, they shit on their customers daily. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> Look, I, I, I think when we, when we think of explosion of the toilet, we're thinking of it like a bidet or something like like the water came up on them and the poop came up on them well that's what it what else that's what it implies i understand that 
what, what I'm are you thinking? What I'm saying is we might actually have a situation in which the toilet did explode. Like that you've got porcelain Wait, from the toilet. Does it's it say that? A like detonation. Shrapnel. Like shrapnel? No, I think there needs to be more investigative no, work look, done here, Wolf. I'd like you and Spaghetti to get on that. Hold because, on. Let me read from the article. It said human feces, urine, and debris. Yeah, that's... You so know, that I, implies that yeah. maybe the toilet itself actually hit this guy in the butt. Well, the employee said there was a problem. All I'm saying All I'm saying <laughs> is... <laughs> There's occasional detonation. Is I sympathize with this gentleman. Is like, if you, you're down there... You know, trying to take a poop. <laughs> I don't sympathize. And there's porcelain. At the Dunkin'. If there's porcelain that if comes up in your. If you're taking a poop at the Dunkin', you got what you have. No. It's an emergency. He's in Orlando. He's at a Dunkin'. He's got two strikes. No. This is going to happen. If you're taking a poop in a public area like that, it better be a serious emergency. But you just had a coffee. You <laughs> oh. can't control it. Okay. <laughs> You had a coffee. Can I tell you what this story reminded me of immediately? What? Do you guys remember this news clip from years ago? What? Oh, God, it's so good. Let's let's play clip four. Homers for customers at a Kansas Home Depot. Police responded to reports of a bomb threat at the store in Wichita. A customer alerted employees. A man inside the bathroom said there was a bomb in the building. Police were able to locate the man responsible for those comments, and that man told police he warned other guests to leave the restroom because he was, quote, uh, fixing to blow it up, but had no intention of causing a panic. The man also told police others in the room laughed understanding his joke, which I'm just not getting. <laughs> pressing charges. But I can tell you right now, you asked the producer for me to read that, didn't you? <laughs> uh, and we laughed and we laughed. <laughs> I was fixing to blow it up and they called it a bomb He gives threat. a courtesy warning and they called the cops. Yeah, what a bunch of dicks. <laughs> But that's what I thought of when I thought, so maybe this guy's got sharing uh, partial blame. Maybe. They're at the Duncan. I don't know. We'll we'll find He deserved it. He may have. He may have. All right. So it's time to play a game, as we do on Thursdays. Yes. And if I recall right, uh, having lost to Sherry, my Sherry, who is on a freaking ripper. This, um, This has to be like the last go. It's a dumb I mean, I think we should have a fan vote after this. If you win... There okay. should be a fan vote about whether this is retired because this is this. We're talking about some serious shit here. Yeah, it's four wins. It's four. <laughs> <Kind of> dunk- <laughs> it's like, let me tell you about some serious shit. <laughs> it's it's serious. It's uh, it's four wins. It could be five. We had previously discussed like a five win cap. Yeah. And, and so maybe this is it. Okay. Well, so I lost. So I'm bailiff. Yep. That means smug is judge. We're back. This is and a real two, court. And the two of you are playing. I'm yeah. playing today. I'm playing Jennifer Brainworms Ruben. Mm. Wow. Strong okay. pick. It's, uh, okay. Let's uh, go ringside. Let's right. go ringside. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. It's time for King of the Hill. In the red corner, fighting out of the Washington Post. For a chance to reclaim her crown, Jennifer Brain Worms Ruben. And now, in the blue corner, fighting from her own Twitter account, and current champion of the world, Kami Cherry Jacobus. Oh, 
looks. What a matchup. Yeah. Yeah. Clash of the Titans. What a matchup. I love it. I'm anxious to see how this plays out because I feel like there may be precedent set here today. It's a real strength versus strength. It is. Situation. It is. And the champion goes first. Yes. Which one to play? <clears throat> and we're all waiting, dude. Council, I would advise you to yeah. just uh, Thank play. you, I like, can I just say, I, I, I actually love this game the most when Holmes and Smug are judging Bailey. It really is the best. <laughs> Because you guys, it's like you feed off each other in a way. That is, it's just jury really executioner. <laughs> We're ready to hang somebody. Yeah. It's like you're itching for it, yeah. you know? Yeah. All right. Um, I would like to play exhibit number four, Nikki Spaghetti. Sherry, <laughs> Sherry Jacobus writes, Theory. Fuck. Musk bought Twitter to push out normal people and make it mega friendly and build it up for Trump slash Putin. If Trump wins, true social merges with Twitter. Non-MAGA voices and media are kicked to the curb to patch comms together in other places. All right, so obviously I love this for the conspiratorial nature of all of her tweets and uh, the whole thing is like Musk bought Twitter just to serve Vladimir Putin. But what I also love is the is is the giving the game away in this where she's like kick to the curb to patch comms together in other places. She's admitting that what she's doing herself is PR patch on this platform. Patching comms. <laughs> she's patching comms. She's patching comms. Yeah, I like that. Was, uh, I mean, my initial thought is I think to a certain extent, Sherry's the victim of her own success. Uh, for our listeners who saw last week, just I haven't seen someone drop bombs like that since Oppenheimer. Well, like it, it was out it, of control. In the history, in the three-year history of the game, those might be one in three. Yeah. In terms of like the overall, and they were ha and they happened the same. Game. I've never seen anything like it. So with that in mind, that's the problem. Yeah. You know? Right. It's, it's a, like it's a it's a bar. It's like we saw Jordan wearing 23, and when he's wearing 45, it's not the same. Just didn't feel right. All, All right, right, so what do we got? Nikki, the true queen opens with nine words. Oh, wow. Exhibit 13, oh, please. succinct. I like succinct. Biden in a black church is <laughs> oh, something Jesus to behold. H. Christ. <laughs> this, was, this is the conservative columnist <laughs> for the Washington Post. And she doesn't need more than one sentence Dude, to wow you. That just seems that's, that's, that that is that is that is a, a regular that Jen Rubin. No, it's not. There's a, there's, not there's a billion things to come say. Come on, there's man. A this is, Are this, you kidding me? This is the guy who talked about like racial jungles and like corn pop was a bad dude. And then he gets heckled by his own signs. owned by India. Yeah. This guy, it, like, it's, it is a sight to behold. Because normally you think he'd show up in a hood and burn the place down. Like, let's be honest. If he's you're a gonna dude. tell me, if you're gonna tell me that 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 Sherry Jacobus is regressing to regressing to the mean and that. Jen Rubin's regressing. I like no, this is no, the, this no. is their Listen, I'm gonna cut normal off cheerleading. Cut this I'm going to cut off our argument at this point. We've had enough conjecture. Yeah, back and yep, forth. that's enough. Are you like the, the judge? judge? No, are I'd you like, the judge? He's no, I'd the like the judge. He's I'd like the judge to You're be have talking afforded, a lot for uh, he, 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 bailiff. He, he, he's talking over the judge. I'll tell you. 
I'll decision. Tell you, round one goes to goes to Ashbrook and Ruben. <laughs> no question. And Duncan's this acting up. Wise. He's acting up again. It's very wise. And I'll, it never helps your case when you and, act and, up. And I'll just do we up. have two judges? Or I, do we well, have I'm a, just gonna tell you that I will be watching. Yeah, there's gonna, there's gonna be order in this court. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Going to be watching. I would just I'm I'm just very Mr. surprised Ashford, that the ahead. judge lets his court be thrown into a ruckus. You know what he's trying to do? Yeah, he's trying to cause. I see him causing problems. Thank Ashford, please thank go you, ahead. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, crazy exhibit 15 please Nikki can't wait to hear Liz Cheney comment on Trump position that he can kill people and sell secrets in office without fear of prosecution kill people <laughs> kill people <laughs> Wait, Jen Rubin once again ladies and gentlemen the conservative columnist for the Washington wait, wait. Post Yeah, in, in, a, in a court. It's uh, cell secrets, which, of, of course, nobody's uh, actually offered any sort of uh, challenge. And, of course, uh, if, if it pleased the court, I'd like to draw your attention to not only the fact is Trump killing people, but what she really can't wait to hear is Liz Cheney's comment on That's the a really amazing point. She's the only person in America who's, who's like, waiting breathless for that. Well, this is amazing. All how right. much more commentary? That's, no, a, pretty right. good, that's a pretty good one. That's listen, a really good, listen, that really good one. Right. Two succinct Three tits. on one. That's really strong. One explanation. Three so on one. Duncan's got his work cut out. I'll tell okay. you that. Okay. You can play the victim after Forest Tree 8 word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you did a whole segment on playing the victim. Because I'm the earlier. victim, Duncan. He's, he's about to go. Here we go. I just I just want to know, Smug, if you're going to let. Always the victim. Are you going to let Here Holmes cuck you in your own court? or? I'll tell you right now. I run this court, and you need to just go ahead and read it. Spaghetti exhibit number one. So, yeah, sure, Jen Rubin can talk about killing people. Sherry Jacobus can claim she's going to be killed. Oh, my God. Here is Sherry Jacobus' tweet. She is quote-tweeting David Korn, who's talking about some conspiracy theory that Roger Stone was trying to, I don't know, kill people or something. Whatever. doesn't matter. She quote-tweets it and says, I was told in early February of 2015 in New York City when I crossed Trump, quote, Trump has guys in Queens who may be on their way over to hurt you. It was 1130 on a weeknight. I didn't leave my apartment for days after that. <laughs> no way. Like there was a hit squad going to Sherry's house. No way. Yeah. <laughs> this is so good. Yeah. No way. Yes. I'm concerned. I'm <laughs> concerned about continuing to play her. <laughs> I mean, th there's there's so many great levels think, to this. Like, of, I, I want to, just as a bailiff, to make sure that I have law and order in place. I just want a very simple answer to a very simple question. Okay. You don't communicate with Sherry Jacobus. Do I don't. You? I don't. I'm not putting her up to this. I just worry. Do you? D does anyone the as a part of the show broadcasting team of Ruthless? Do they communicate? They don't. I, I'm just very concerned in our country today the way that like the mental health facilities in this country have been stripped to the bare bones that there aren't there's not room at the end for people like her. <laughs> I mean, that, so that so my concern for her from that tweet is, she's like, I won't leave my, I, I didn't leave my apartment for days. I wonder how frequently that happens. It's like the true <laughs> horror story of where like, you know, you hear like, oh, they never found this person for months, and the cat started eating them. Like, that's Sherry. Like, that sounds like the situation we're looking at right now. Like, this is a tragedy waiting to happen. 
And for that reason, round two goes to Duncan. I mean, that's a that's a scary Thank you know you. reality. <laughs> the best part is it wasn't decided at all the merits of the two <laughs> tweets, but some other rumination that he had yeah. about what it all yeah. meant. I mean, everyone knows that the dudes and queens are ready to kill. Right. Like, I mean, we all already know this. I respect your decision, Judge, on intuition and match. Yeah, 100%. <sighs> That's it. That's it right there. Okay, champion. Close okay. it out. I would like to play exhibit number five. Okay, the reason why I'm playing oh, this Jesus. exhibit, and and I think this is a different thing from Sherry than than previous tweets, because I understand, like sometimes she has like a thing, a hobby horse, she's on it, and all of that sort of stuff. But what she's doing here is very different than normal Sherry behavior. She is quote tweeting somebody who's like just like having a moment. They're they're walking through the woods. They feel bad about the country. And they're sort of depressed about that thing. And instead of like empathizing with that and offering a normal supportive quote tweet where you support that person, instead, Sherry Jacobus says this. Section three of the 14th Amendment of the Constitution is not a political tactic or merely a tool at our disposal. The founders did not intend for it to be optional and it exists so that when slash if needed, it is to be absolute. Politics is not to play a part. She is <laughs> milk toast. That's sweet. This person is saying. This person is saying, "Hey, like our country is like uh, is we're in a really bad bad spot. I don't know if Joe Biden can win." And Sherry Jacobus quote tweets it and is like, "Donald Trump should be off the ballot because of the Constitution." She's, so, all right. So just for context purposes. What she's talking about is the is the Colorado decision that threw Donald Trump off the ballot from a Fourteenth Amendment perspective that he had somehow participated in an insurrection against his government. Uh, this lady had, uh, talked about it, and uh, rather than soothe her, but pain. she's not even really. That's the thing. She's not even really talking about it. She's just bemoaning the fact that Joe Biden has low poll numbers, oh. that the economy is bad, and instead of just being supportive, she instead quote tweets it and says he's going to be off the ballot. That's weak. <laughs> it, 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 it's weak. You sh there had to have been a better take. All right, let's go. Uh, All right, smash. What do you got? Your Honor, <clears throat> as the conservative columnist for the Washington Post, you would expect a certain level of criticism for the New York Times. Do we have an exhibit number? But maybe not quite this way. Hmm. Exhibit number 14, please. They will not report what is in front of their noses for fear it makes them sound too anti-Trump. Instead, they normalize him and make his candidacy seem viable. I, the conservative columnist for the Washington Post is saying that the New York Times is too pro-Trump. Yeah. Wait, and they're seeking to normalize I, I, it. Hold on. Can I ask a question about mm -hmm. this? How do we know that this is about the New York Times? Uh, if you go up in the thread. Excuse me, the thread? Yeah. What's the thread? You can use threads. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you, Your Honor. Is Bailiff, it, can you tell this guy to pipe Twitter? down? Well, it's a thread, but it's not provided for our viewing audience. Yeah, it's so a one-tweet like, game. So, I would like to have it characterized, if possible, for the court and the judge to make an accurate I can, decision. No, okay. I'm saying, is this on Twitter or is this on threads? This, oh, it's... This is on threads. Oh, my God. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, my God. What a great point. Hold on. Wow. Is, I uh, hereby it, 
uh, upon me as bailiff of this here court <laughs> want to land before the feet of this judge. A very important question that we have here in King of the Wait, Day. did you know that's why this, you said that there could be a president set? Yes. Wow. What we're talking I'm about... I'm very glad this was brought to my attention. What we're talking about here is we have played numerous games that have all been focused on Twitter. We have not pulled down cable clips. We have not taken quotes yeah. out of yep. uh, stories. We have not used anything that has not been posted to X, formerly known as Twitter. I can't believe you do this. Today... Today, we are entering into submission and consideration of this court another media. Were the, were the previous posts, Ashbrook, on, on Twitter or X, or were they all from Threads? So can, I just, can we just hear an argument on why, on why Threads? Threads. The entire point of King of the Hill is to put on display the l most ludicrous takes from people who no, used not. to call themselves that are tweets. tweets from people who used to call themselves Republicans, not hide them under a bushel because they are against Twitter because they don't like Elon Musk. The best takes may not be on Twitter; they may be on another social media. This service. Can I? Can I? Can I? Can it's I unbelievable. Add, this can is I add, I'll add one thing for consideration of the court that was not argued by counsel, but should be maybe discussed which is there are many crazy people who believe that uh, X is somehow controlled by a vast right-wing conspiracy, and uh, the craziest amongst them have taken exclusively two threats. May, 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 so, may I respond? Hold on. I'll make it clear. I'll make it very quick and clean. It is absurd to think that you could use threads. That's absolute madness. Why, why not Instagram posts? Why not something that they wrote in a book? It's because this game has always been tweets. You find the tweets, he throws you it play them, and mm -hmm. so it's insane. So and honestly, it's insulting that you'd roll up with your honor, something your honor, threads. Your Honor, threads, threads has been played in past games, just for your awareness. Oh, wow. Without and awareness of the court. Wow. Not on my watch. And, and for that reason, I want to set the precedent. And not with by With extreme me. prejudice, never happening again. Not allowed. You're thrown out. <laughs> thrown out. That's an insult. That's an insult to this court. That's an insult to our listeners. You're out of I here, buddy. You, you owe an apology to our listeners. I will not For that apologize. reason, Michael Duncan and Sherry Jacobus have won. Wait, wait, hold on. Hold I hope hold everyone on. remembers oh, Ashbrook yes. pulled this garbage. Oh, oh, yeah. so we've set, set multiple yes. precedents here. Hold Ashbrook on. tries the first, the first is that there will be no threads played. Never again. Okay. And that is your right as the judge. And he was proud of his scheming. Did you hear that? But, ho he was but proud hold on. Of this. But hold on. Second of all, did I hear you say that you ruled Ashbrook out of the game? He should be. Is there? There's a price to be paid. Is this there, is wait, unacceptable. Is there? Is there a? Is there a like a? I think a if sentence? he. I think if he offers a sincere apology. Do you have a sentence? If he offers a sincere apology, you know we can start talking about if he's allowed back. But like this is unacceptable. <laughs> this is such an outrage. I'm disgusted. I can't believe you would do this. Very thoughtful. For our listeners. Very thoughtful, Judge. I mean, th this is a, a massive win for Duncan and just a huge L for And Ashbrook. I think there should be an investigation about there where threads was, were, there should were be. previously played. Yep. That, I think a thorough investigation is necessary. It's, 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 and I bet it's only Ashbrook who do this. That's treachery. Unbelievable. Do we know, do we know Wolf, where has threads been previously played? We've been using it for weeks. Wow. Oh. Wow. Oh. Well, I think that's a good case for why Ashbrook wow. you know, has, has a lot to answer for. Uh, yeah, okay. I will never. <laughs> I, I will hey, never. Turn, turn totally around. And that's why it's Ashbrook's fault. I, I will never, under any under any circumstances, apologize. Under any circumstances. Yeah. What we need 
is to bring back the greats, and the greats aren't posting on Twitter anymore. Wow. Only Cherry. Now Jacobus. you're attacking Elon too. I think Bro. I think we should have a referendum. This is what happens when you hang out with your journal buddies. You know, he's at these like Georgetown cocktail parties. And like, oh, follow us on Threads, bro. We're all on Threads. Isn't Threads cool? And Ashbrook is brainwashed by all his journal buddies. I support you, And smug. thinks this kind of garbage is acceptable. He got the you. win. Of course you have support. Huge win. It's a very wins. tenuous win. Five I feel wins. like I feel like Massive that. Bailiff. 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 Win. Bailiff. Huge, huge win for Duncan. Uh, uh, huge loss for Honestly, Ashbrook. Honestly, even if it, was, if it was on Twitter, it's sort of weak sauce. It is. Yep. Will the Bailiff remind the court who won the first round? Uh, you... Uh, in fact, won the first round. And I, so wait, I'd like to inform the court that that was on threads. And you know what? So oh. you you voted for so look at that. threads. Look at that. No, but look at the treachery. But, but under but under wow. under false pretense. Yeah, oh, wow. I'm sorry. Yep, he lied. The, so you lied court, twice. Was, was the court unaware of of the picture? Lying, lying. Ash was the court struck. unaware of the and picture? Look at this. I mean, I'm not I'm not a can, coder. Can, can we cut I'm his not mic? a coder. We need to cut his mic. This guy is out of cut control. Cut my mic? Are you kidding me? How about kick you out of my office? I'm paying for this fucking room. Get the money. He's out of order. Get this guy out of here. Can we get the police? Why don't you go tweet something? You, you tweet something and earn your seat. You guy who has, you haven't paid a fucking dime for this place. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Brian Kilmeade. Well, we thought, you know, we like to have nice guests here on the program. Nice and people we or have, nice guests? No, well, not necessarily nice uh, people, but in this case, it, 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 it fits. We thought we'd bring in a real pro, someone who actually knows how to do this kind of thing for a living. Brian Kilmeade, welcome to the program. Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Great to see you. And I've never seen you dressed down, and it's very rare in person. I, how about this, right? Yeah, Usually you, we're... you were just on the air on TV looking <laughs> kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to follow Kill Me. Right, you which know? is tough. It is. It's a very tough deal. It's almost deal. too tough for you, Josh. <laughs> Have you been doing uh, Fox and Friends since, like, 1930s? Right, uh, it's 29. <laughs> it was a crash, and they go, well, maybe it's not a good year to start. Yeah. And I said, let's wait till 30. Uh, all these people jumping out windows and being broke, couldn't get sponsors. Uh, right. In fact, we have my first soundbite, 1931, if you want to roll it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See if we could do that. The grainy black and white. Right. I love it. No, it filled out. Uh, 96 was a different name. It was Fox Express. It was just nonstop news updates every yeah. eight minutes or something. That wasn't working, and then they blew it up. Uh, I think 97 or 98, and they said, let's make it more conversational, you know, make it uh, no more teleprompter, just make it topics. Yeah. And they kind of worked it out. It was in a tiny studio, um, not much bigger than this. It was. It used to be a Sam Goody. Huh. And they just, like, Fox was just converting things, getting money, trying to convert things. It was a Sam Goody, tiny studio, three hours, three hosts, and an update person, where the teleprompter person was literally 10 feet away and we used to talk to them back and forth and we used to get everybody talking if you look at some of the early shows so it was just nothing and then and the producer used to talk to us over the speaker right. guys you got to wrap up i've been telling you in your ear you're not paying attention and then then they go listen there's a war going on the election yeah. mess right you have to get some credibility so that's when you had things to, calm down you spruce things up Fox a little bit and and well now it's an institution I hope so. I mean, good lord! No, it's great, and and you're great on this. You also are probably the busiest man in show business. You got that going on. You got radio show. Anytime there's a hole in any coverage, I see kill me. Right. You well, know? it's fun. It's like right. This is what we like doing, even when we're off. Yeah. yeah. This is the this is the stuff we like talking about. Yeah. And they're like, okay, you could hop on the air. You can go home. Um, and I'm not really a big hobby guy. 
Okay. So you can go home and do things. You can be busy. But if they don't have to, now the kid's a little older, if they don't have practice, if I don't have to right. back to school, I'm not sacrificing. If I'm not sacrificing anything, I'll stick around four hours and be in front of two million people talking to the most important people in America yeah. about things I care about most. To me, it's not really, don't say anything. Keep it between us. It's not really work. Until contract time, then it's like, gosh, you don't know how right, hard yeah. I'm <laughs> <Absolutely. laughs> Kind of like Donald Trump and his property value. <laughs> yeah. When he's trying to grieve his taxes, he, they're not worth anything. And then when in front of Letitia James, worth a lot. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and now you're now you're written a new book. Yeah. This is very interesting to me because I think obviously topically this has been a subject of conversation a lot in the last few years. But you're taking a very different look at racial relations of of relationships. In this case, uh, Booker T. Washington and Teddy Roosevelt. So, Josh, as you know, race never leaves us. And 2020, it it was the, the story. And I did uh, President Freedom Fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and the Battle for America's Soul. And in an homage to the Rocky movies, I want to link the stories together. Like Sam Houston fought for Andrew Jackson, mentored him, and I had Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, follow Andrew Jackson, the Miracle of New Orleans. In this, uh, Booker T. Washington idolized Frederick Douglass, and the link with Teddy Roosevelt was at six years old. It took about 25 years. But they found a six-year-old Teddy Roosevelt overlooking Broadway as the body of Abraham Lincoln came mm. down after wow. the assassination. Wow. And I go, let's pick it up from there. And then I explore the relationship, and I want to see Tweed Roosevelt, the great-grandson who became a historian himself. And I said, is this a reach? Is this real? He goes, absolutely, it's real. The family would love for you to do it. I go, great, so you'll cooperate. He goes, absolutely. They helped me with some books that weren't even on Amazon. They got, huh. they got me. Really? Uh, and then Tuskegee gave me pictures you're not going to see anywhere. Wow. Uh, and I just <clears throat> I, I just get excited about these two, these unbelievable Americans. We know about Teddy Roosevelt, but Booker T. Washington, you wouldn't believe how extraordinary he was. Like, the more you look at his life, you think, we're never going to get a guy quite like him. And you, and you seem to really just enjoy the research component of putting these things together, too. I do, because I feel like it's archaeology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like it's there. It's up to us to go find it. And I couldn't do the definitive biography on him. Uh, there's too many uh, people that do it. They'll spend 10 years doing it. I can't do something on Teddy Roosevelt that will surprise anyone. Yeah. But if I could help our country understand where we've come racially, mm-hmm. even though, you know, nobody soft pedals Jim Crow. Was it just oak bad? Just bad? No, it was really bad. Yeah. With the lynchings because of an international relationship, uh, interracial relationship, horrendous. Was it bad in the South after the compromise of 1877? You wouldn't believe how bad it was. And then there's these people that said, yeah, it's bad, but we can change it. Hmm. And I'm not going to condemn it and try to do everything at once. I'm going to go in Alabama. I was born a slave at nine. And by the time he was 30, he was one of the most influential people in the country. How did he do it? That's the story you need to know. And then what obstacles did he overcome? That's what it's about. And how far did America come to this day in 2024? You should be proud because of people like this. Doesn't mean we're perfect. But to go back and pretend we're a racist society and that we're in 1619 that we're founded on racism, that's how we got our economy and our success. Right. It just is not telling the right story. So I like to do it a slice at a time. Well, that, that's what's so cool about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you, um, one of the things that caught my attention right out of the gate in this book is who you dedicated it to. A former colleague of yours, one of the greatest athletes that ever walked the face of the earth, Jim Brown. And you were on, on radio with him. Is that right? Yeah. And you did UFC fights with him. Right. And you talked about how that was instrumental in your writing of this book. I wonder if you yeah, could talk about that. Yeah, thanks for noticing that. See, uh, Jim Brown, um, I was out in California doing all sports radio, 
And I was Jim Brown's from Manhasset. My dad owned a bar in Manhasset. So I was hearing stories about Jim Brown <laughs> when I was younger. You know, he's right down the block and he lived on the second floor of a house. And, you know, this town got together and didn't tell him, you know, his story. And he went up to Syracuse and they go, you got to get this guy a scholarship. Like, we don't really know. We don't have any money left. So they told Jim Brown he got a scholarship. What they did is all the people in the town, not rich, pulled it together and paid for his first year. And wow. when they got a look at him, he became the best lacrosse player ever and the best uh, football player ever. So if you think that he hated white people, you're absolutely wrong. Mm -hmm. If you say he didn't experience racism, you're absolutely wrong. But what he tried to do is change it. So with him, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, the movies have been written. But he wouldn't tell me arrogantly. He would just tell me the stories. The gang members, I'd go to his house. He'd have gang members there, guys who just got out of prison. I covered him in prison teaching uh, incarcerated individuals life skills, math, Amazing. spelling, right? So I'm seeing this happen. He never talked down to me. You know, well, I'm a bad, I was an average Division II soccer player. Um, you know, what do I have in common with him? He was changing the world, but he, I got along with him great. Our families got to know each other, uh, and then we stayed in touch for the next 20 years. That's wild. Yeah, and I know his wife very well and talking to his son, and they, you know, he was so much older. But he had such an impact on them. And they're having trouble, obviously, when you lose your dad this year, getting yeah, no traction. Uh, he wasn't just a legend to him. He was the guy, you know, the man. And um, so if it wasn't for his competency and the confidence that he had to me, you think if I do something on Frederick Douglass for being a guy from Fox is going to be blowback? And he goes, screw them. He's like, I'd love for you to do it. Give me the outline. He gave me the out I gave him the outline. And he's like, I love it. I never got, I told him I'm doing this project, but I didn't finish it. So I go, let me dedicate it to him. Oh, man. That's such a cool story. Yeah. I had no idea the relationship was that deep. Right. Um, I always thought it was an honor because you can't have a small conversation with him. You don't go, he goes, how's the family? Good to see you. Oh, you look good. You, you know, lifting weights? That doesn't go like that. What's going on? How are they treating you over there? What are you working on? I saw this series. Why would you do it like this? <laughs> he would have no tolerance for people making excuses. Yes, there was an imbalance between race. Yes, perhaps it's harder for an African-American to be successful in black. Overcome it. Huh. Understood it. Understand this is the best country ever. And I used to watch him. We used to travel for UFC. People coming up to him saying, you know, Jim, I can't get ahead. I can't do it. He goes, well, what are you doing about it? What are you changing? I used to watch these exchanges. So um, yeah, he really gave me a real life slice of life about race relations. As lower middle class on Long Island, you could only have so much that you know and how much can you read. And he was kind enough, you know, he was uh, 30 years older to bring me in and let me know what was going on. I mean, that's yeah, incredible. Guy. That, that's really, I mean, look, he's probably the greatest, if not the top two greatest running backs in the history of the NFL. Right. And and he only played, what, eight years or something like that? Played eight years before there was a Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, won the NFL championship and then retired at 29 to have a very successful movie <clears throat> career. Yep. And then he just became this, this huge activist. But he set up American which teach people life skills. Yeah. So he says the problem is these guys got off to a bad start, bad families. Let's go save them. So it sounds like, I mean, look, it sounds like that's a huge inspiration behind this book. I also imagine in covering the news every day and you see the absurdity that we were dealing with on this set of issues over the last few years, providing accurate historical overlay for us to sort of understand where we've come had to have been a huge motivation for this. Absolutely. And, and the boxing up statues and taking down. Yeah. I mean, I was to see Trump. I was interviewing him. I don't know what the reason was, but I was interviewing him the day they, they put lassos around Andrew Jackson's yeah. statue and were trying to pull it down. I was there that day. And that night, they ended up forcing him into the basement. And I go, wow. 
this went from, I hope people who like the news like history, and no doubt about it, without Bill O'Reilly writing his books and telling me to do George Washington's Secret Six, that he never knew anything about it and he'd help me. If he was like, oh, I do history here, I'd probably, okay. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> what can I do? He does out. history here. So, But he was really inspirational. In the beginning, I'd go, help people buy the book. And now I almost feel like it's a mini mission. You know, whether I'm doing a live event, I'm to 21st in Joliet, Illinois, on stage. You talk about all the books. I have a few of my knucklehead friends like you do. <laughs> they come out and we reenact great moments in American history that happen in the book. But it's all accurate. We're having fun with it. Nice. Yeah. And awesome. I try to bring it up on stage and make it conversational. Very, a lot of smart people don't know anything about history. Like a lot of smart people are great at math and sales. They just go, I have no idea since social studies in 11th grade about American history. So I'm able to get smart and curious people a foundation to get them to read more. Now I think we got to win the war in history. Yeah, I, totally. Um, in, in researching for this book, what, what's the thing that surprised you the most? People know a lot about Teddy Roosevelt, I think a lot more than Booker T. Washington. So I'm sort of curious, you know, in all the research that you did, what's the thing that you were most shocked that you learned? Well, number one, Teddy Roosevelt had a brother that had, you know, addiction probably drank too much. You don't yeah. really hear about that. Number two is that his mom was from the South. And his two brothers, his two uncles, who he worshipped, who laid the foundation for him writing that book on the War of 1812, because they were they were uh, they were Navy, mm-hmm. and they really didn't want to reconcile, and they didn't, so they went over to England after the War of 18, uh, after the Civil War, never came back. But they studied with him. He got the vernacular down. He find out how to write uh, in a way in which the the Navy would accept. So I didn't know they mentored him so much. But if you're Ted Roosevelt and you grew up in the Civil War where they might have been telling you in casual conversation, you know uh, whites are smarter than blacks, right? Hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm sure his mom was saying that. That's how she was brought up. Hmm. But yet he was the guy, even though he had, as Tweed told me, blind spots, he was the guy who said, we got to fix South. How do we do it? We need to work through it. There's no difference. And these quotes really give you chills about you know, the character of the man. He, he actually told Booker T. Washington, I have the quote, he basically says, I want you to, rec- I want you to be my advisor. And when, I, when you give me these people to be postmasters, stockmasters, and judges, and, and attorneys, don't even tell me. I, it goes, J- don't tell me about their color or their gender. J- I need good quality people. Mm. And if you read Booker T. Washington stuff, he's got all these mentors. I have to go find their pictures to find if they're white or black. He never mentions black or white. Man. I think it's so interesting. That is fascinating. So for Teddy Roosevelt, my biggest thing was he didn't have it easy. He was so unhealthy as a kid actually stared death in the face many times and in my opinion from what i know when people are like that they either become very timid or i'm going to live for today you know he he was the reason why that's the reason if he already stared death and survived it he was going to live his life and that's why he became a war hero governor Mm. you know he was as you know he, he actually had fun trying to tame the bureaucracy in uh in washington he actually had success there a police chief a vice president Um, He did everything, assistant secretary of the Navy. That you do that, in my mind, if you think, what do I have to lose? I almost died. And that's why a rich guy could relate to another guy cutting his path, Booker T. Washington, just overcoming, overcoming. And then to find, to see all these pictures of Booker T. Washington with Andrew Carnegie, J.P. Morgan, uh, uh, Julius Rosenwald, founder of Sears. All these people in a very polarized America said, how do we make America better? They're putting their money where their mouth is, supporting Tuskegee, different causes, 
Booker T. Washington. Their big mission with him, with Booker T., was get him to take a vacation. <laughs> they couldn't get him to take a vacation. Finally, they said, we're sending you on a cruise. You're going to go to uh, Europe for a week. And he went there, and he found out everybody knew him. Is that right? And he was making speeches again, and he's like, he said something I think you guys would love. He basically said, you know, I look over in England, and I see that blacks have it better than we have it. But they're happy with their place. In America, we're never happy. We work for somebody, and we think eventually we could be that person. And I'm mm, like, wow. That's fascinating. He felt that way in 1890 and in 1901 huh. and 1903. Still, he had that American dream. And I see these idiotic studies <laughs> that go, uh, only 36% believe the American dream still exists. Yeah. Really? There was no social safety net for this guy. There was very little justice for African Americans in the South at that time. And people listening in the South, I'm not condemning you. I'm not saying everybody. I'm not saying your ancestors, all your ancestors. But it was there. Mm-hmm. And that's how they were brought up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, it, the whole thing is testament to leadership. Yeah. And, and changing minds. And what's possible right. instead of the perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, everybody's got to do uh, read this book. There's a lot of people who try to do historical books. Kill Me does it right. Mm-hmm. The guy gets in the weeds with the research. You got to go buy it. Teddy and Booker T. Brian, I got to know, how, how did you start in this line of work? Like, did you know? Absolutely. Tenth grade. Really? I, uh, I always wanted to be on air. I used to, if I drive by a big TV or radio antenna, I just got excited. I remember just thinking to myself, one day I'm going to be able to drive and I'm going to stop in that radio station and find out what these people are like. I just was always fascinated with broadcasting. I remember the first time I drained my dad's, uh, because I didn't know they didn't an accessory and start. So I would drain his battery before going to work. He went to work at night. Uh, and would be on the CB talking to strangers. Oh, really? Yeah, because I just was fascinated by I wanted to communicate with people. I guess I didn't like everybody in the house. I go out of the house, uh, in the car, and I'm like, how dangerous is that? There's like an 11-year-old on the CB talking to strangers. Imagine. I was probably telling them where I lived. Yeah. I have no idea. Very different connotation in this day and age. Yeah, so I, that's what I wanted to do. And, and um, I went right from graduation to Bennigan's, where I kept waiting tables yep. for a while, trying to lose the New York accent, get the job to get on air, and my first job was Sports Phone, 976-1313, updates every seven minutes, 40 hours a week, eight hours at a time, and living off score sheets, because there was no all sports radio then. Yeah, right. So people were gambling and just wanted updates, didn't want to wait for Warner Wolf at, uh, <laughs> at six o'clock or 11 o'clock, they wanted the updates. So it was considered a great job, and I remember I made Twelve thousand five hundred dollars a oh, year. Yeah. You're living large. Yeah, I was, but I could write broadcaster on my tax form. Yeah, and that was awesome. <laughs> Even though it's a phone program, whatever, I was a broadcaster. That's funny that you remember. And I that. kept waiting at Bennigan's because I had no money. <laughs> right, so. And it was sports that got you started. Yeah. I mean, because you're a big sports guy. But when the Persian Gulf War started, I remember going up to them saying, listen, can we start a war phone? And I was updating 9762525. I would update people on the war because I was the only person who actually wow. read the other side of the paper there. Yeah, right. So literally, they <laughs> were like, what crazy, war? Crazy, insane. <laughs> but I remember that talking about how many sorties yeah. and how, what was the result and the army and how many for the ground invasion. So I had a passion for news, but I thought my best... My best way in was sports. Interesting. So did you, and it, it sounds like you had to do a fair amount of ad living in this. If you just got a stat sheet, you're gonna have to make it interesting oh, to yeah. people, right? Anybody in radio doing this, uh, if you have the foundation of doing this, you can do anything on television because this is the harder thing. Because you're not glued to a you're not glued to a uh, a copy. Because yeah. when the copy goes down, you freeze. 
But when you start in radio, talk radio especially, anything can happen. We can, you know, there could be a bomb explosion, no problem. Right. We're going to have to go to break. Is that the camera on? Because we're used to the conversation. So, number one, I talk too fast because of sports phone today. <laughs> but they number, try to slow you down. Number two is there was never any script. There would be, there would be um, three lines of news. So, and you uh, got to make that last, right? Right. You three lines of news, and you look to yourself. You had to get 57 seconds in, in Chicago, 59 seconds in Detroit, and 58 seconds in New York. So you're, you're done at 52, and you look up, and you go, that looks like a seven-second story. <laughs> and you read it. Mm-hmm. But it was great, great training. I can only oh. imagine. That's like a master's degree in ad lib and right. fill. And, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of really, uh, Al Troutwig is a big sportscaster. Uh, Howie Rose, who still does a mess yeah. today. There's a lot of people that that started there. Yeah. Well, you can tell. I mean, look, uh, not to blow too much sunshine, but you can tell just in the way that you operate on camera that you've done the homework, and so the conversation is just a part of what you're doing. Right. It's, it almost doesn't feel like it's a show. It feels like right. you're just sort of having a conversation with your. Yeah, like the the show on the weekends, One Nation. It feels like more like a show, but with when uh, Fox and Friends starts. It's very much like this. Yeah. Hi, everybody, what's going on? You saw what happened last night. Hunter Biden walked in today at 10 o'clock, and we know the footage that are going to come up. We see the soundbite and the prompter. Mm-hmm. Know exactly when we're getting to it. Yeah. What do you make of that, by the way? Hunter Biden rolling into the uh, House of Representatives. Uh, what's the objective? Is the objective is, if your objective is to not get contempt charges, I don't think that was likely that he was ever going to go to jail like uh, Steve right. Bannon and those guys which is shows to yeah, to uh, dual justice. But a couple of things. If the objective is that, okay, maybe it's going to be hard to say to get to jail to have a judge decide to put him in jail when he did show up. But number two is it made every network pick it up. Mm-hmm. We're the only channel. You're, you guys are the only guy. You, you care about mm-hmm. what happened. And yeah. now 60% of the American public thinks that Joe is up to no good when mm-hmm. maybe 10% yeah. in 2020. So now I'm looking, we're doing the radio show from the D.C. Bureau, and they got five screens. Every one of them was covering Hunter Biden. How many were covering before that? Zero. We were going to toss the sound bites because Mayorkas is also getting impeached today. Yeah, right. So we're going to toss sound. And there's this thing called the Iowa, what's going on in Iowa. We got that (laughs) thing. So I'm watching, and I'm saying to myself, if I'm his dad, and I'm looking to show an administration on the up and up with this transparency. Not only am I trying to overcome the most egregious error by a, by a cabinet official ever, right. I think, yep. in a time of war. And now you got this craziness. You can't even control your own son. You can't control your secretary of defense. It's a hell of a narrative. One of, one of the Capitol Hill publications showed a picture of Hunter Biden sitting next to a couple of guys. One of the guys apparently a producer for a documentary about Hunter Kevin Biden. Kevin Morris. Yeah, do you guys <laughs> see that? That's the guy. That's and the I guy. believe the guy writing the checks to get him the private jets. Yeah. And he's the guy who put him up in his penthouse in Malibu. He's They're basically taunting his dad. They're taunting taunting everybody. They're confirming every story. They're helping Trump's next speech. What a life. Right? So, and then as he's leaving, uh, we played today on the radio. We played, there was a, he goes, Brian, you you didn't hear because you're on the air. But someone kept yelling, what kind of crack are you smoking? That's right. Right? How does that help? How does that help? I I got to imagine that the Biden campaign is like, oh, dear God. Do you think so? I mean, yeah, oh, I yeah. think so. Absolutely, right? Well, because it doesn't show any fight. I mean, basically, you're taking this guy who, you know, admittedly has been an addict, made some very, very poor decisions, and you're entering him into his father's world in the center of it and making him a political story 
that, you know, granted, it was going to be a political story no matter what, but now he's the main character. And that's what they've done again. Right. And so now you want, even like, let's say Anderson Cooper tonight or Rachel Maddow, if she, uh, I only, I don't know if she's on still, but they have, when they cover the story, at one point they're going to say, what is, what is the contention? It's not his crack use. It's not the hookers. Right. Can you believe this? Right. I just, no. Yeah. Can you believe I just said that? <laughs> we talk uh, about hookers all the time. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's the no wonder you guys didn't budge when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> like, end. No, but it's, it's not, it's not the problem. It is the CEFC. <laughs> It is the Ukraine meeting, mm-hmm. the Kazakhstan meeting. It is the deal right. with the Moscow mayor. So at one point, do they say, well, what are they charging? You know, and then did someone say, yeah, well, the problem is these meetings. Well, his dad was never involved in it. It's tough to say that. Dad is on speakerphone. The dad uh, five different ev- meeting with five different events. Tony Bobulinski is going to put him everywhere. Yeah. One on one. No one's even asked Joe Biden this. Do you know Tony Bobulinski? Yeah, nobody, nobody's even asked. They recruited him. Wild. That's. I mean, it's like, and the goalposts are on 18 wheels, by the way. Oh. Right? It's like every single time. <laughs> ever profited financially yeah. from Hunter Biden's dealing. I mean, this is unbelievable. It's the never knew him, never talked business, never did anything. Well, we maybe talked less. Sure, I shared an office with him. Yeah, we had a joint bank account. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, we went to all of our meetings and we traveled abroad together. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, right. what? All of me, yeah, never never got any money from it. They put it in my account. I never right. touched the money. I, I, a, he never asked me about direct deposit. So, by the way, can we just have this overarching level? What was the product? What were you selling? Yeah. You're like a, you were a, a lawyer without any experience doing international business deal on energy because your dad wrote Amtrak. Yeah, I mean, I mean what this guy was not the foremost. He was on the Amtrak board. That was yeah. not the foremost energy expert, I would imagine. Right, right. So, I mean... And of course, nobody talks about it except us. But at one point now, they have to. I'm wondering if all these channels, like, like a producer sitting around the meeting, we're covering the Hunter Biden story, right? The way we broke in. What did he break in for? Well, contempt charge. Why was he going to show up? Because he doesn't want to talk about his business dealings, because it could be linked to his dad. Why? Because the crack. No, it's not because of the addiction. At one point, these producers have to know what we know. Yeah. And they, do they say it? And do they just like throw Hunter overboard and say Hunter's a bad guy who's done bad things? We're not convinced he's not still doing bad things, but it doesn't reflect on Joe. You can't say that anymore. Don't, don't you think a lot of these networks, though, are just so cowed because of what happened in 2016 and, you know, the left and the Democrats? have basically blamed the media for amplifying the Hillary Clinton and the server and the emails and all of that stuff. And I think we saw some of that in 2020 when they refused to cover Hunter Biden's laptop. I guess I just like, I wonder if like, are they ever really going to cover it? You know, like is MSNBC really going to get the straight facts? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we do you think, do you think on the primetime tonight and this is Wednesday. So do you think primetime tonight on any of these other channels besides Fox they're going to cover it? They might cover it in one way. This is, the, I, I guarantee I agree with this. Cover it in one way on MSNBC. It'll be the broadcast news version of Republicans pounce. You know, the, the that's always the framing of the article. It's not the thing that happened. It's how Republicans react to the <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. And they'll have, uh, they'll have about 30 seconds cherry picked of, uh, a, you know, left field question from somebody on. It'll be on the, 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 most dais, the most outrageous soundbite from a Republican 
couched up against. And then they'll play the audio of what sort of crack were you smoking? What sort of crack were you smoking? And make Hunter Biden the victim of these evil Republicans. And that framing will be the way that they oh, 100%. They, they discuss it. And then they'll say, well, you know, asked and answered. That was covered. <laughs> yeah. Be yeah. Now on to how great the economy <laughs> is. But, but I'm, a, I'm a cynic. But that's true. But you, that is an insult to your audience. Yeah. Because your audience goes, oh, come on. Come oh, on. I think, I think they've Funny, gotten over I don't that. Think, yeah. I yeah. think that... Uh, did you, you you could turn the sound off now because nothing else they say after this has got credibility. Yeah. It, is it weird? Look, you've been basically doing the same thing and the channel's been doing the same thing now for a long time, decades. To watch places like CNN and MSNBC turn from covering news to what we just discussed, which basically, you know, it's a, a framed partisanship presentation of how, you know, their interpretation in a left-wing fever swamp might cover the news is that is that a jarring because you guys always got heat from the left right. of, of, of covering something you know right of center what they've done is fallen off the left hand side of the map and they act like they're still walter cronkite over there yeah it's weird i watch all the sunday shows too yeah which you know cnn and msnbc are way over here the sunday shows they'll they'll go in and they'll weave but here's an example when they they cover trump and they say Trump and Biden, Trump and Biden. They talk about Trump's troubles and Biden's record. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they never talk about Trump's records? Like they can't figure out what it is the cult that follows him and maybe moderates that like him. And they're seeing Hispanics votes now. They see the Michigan yeah. poll that came out this yeah, week. Right. So by saying like, what happened? <laughs> well, because they can't appreciate Joe Biden. No one ever just says, listen, that we were happy with what he did at the border. We're pretty happy with the Abraham Accords. Yeah. We're kind of happy with the low inflation. These trade deals were a bit of a surprise. USMCA is better. Um, uh, the NATO was more, our allies were paying more with NATO, at least bring up his record compared yeah. to the records, but they never would do that. Right. I found that I, the only thing missing, you're covering Trump and the cult of his personality, but you never cover what he did for four years. Right. Operation Warp Speed. You can't want me to take the vaccine and not give credit to Trump for the vaccine. Right. right. Now, you could be critical of the vaccine and you want to jump right to Trump and avoid that Joe Biden's one who mandated it (laughs) and ridicule. But they just don't want to give him credit for anything. And I know it's Republicans. It's complicated because I watched who was telling me. Oh, Chip Roy told me on Tuesday. He's like, the president went ahead and did Operation Warp Speed. That wasn't good. I go, wow, it's the first time I've heard that. Yeah. Operation Warp Speed wasn't good? Yeah. That means the vaccine didn't help anybody? I'm like, <laughs> I can't get my head around this now. Well, they got a primary argument, right? right? It is a primary one. argument. I'm like, okay, so you're against what? Because Trump still can't figure out how to handle No, he doesn't want to talk about it. He wanted to, but he got booed when he brought it up. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's been a thorny issue for him, no question about but it. But it did save lives, from what I could tell. But you mandate it with people. If you're 88 with emphysema, you probably want the vaccine, right. I think. Right. But to say ivermectin is poison yeah. and the other stuff is not going to work, that's where you started to lose me. That's where Trump never, obviously, got ridiculed for it. Yeah. Trump wasn't want to take anything off the table. This guy wants to take everything off the table about what he says. Everyone's like, what do you know? You're already contradicting yourself. 
So at least compare the way they approach the pandemic, good and bad. That would be an intellectual they, exercise, Brian. There's just no chance we're going to do that. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, there, but you're never going to get an answer to the question of why he's winning. Yeah. Because people are doing the argument yeah. away from these microphones. They're having this conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're going, life was better four years ago. Yeah. No, no question about it. So uh, are you going to Iowa, by the way, for the caucuses? New Hampshire. You're going, going to New Hampshire. I was wondering what cold ticket you drew. Oh, I know, I know. Are you? Are you guys going? We sent smug. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah. yeah. yeah Correspondent time. Yeah. 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 Right. It's so going to be two degrees. We saw the two on the map for next week. We were like, hey, smug, you got to... Got a pretty good job out there. Yeah, Let's yeah. You, the, the one with the Under Armour budget. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> right, right. So you're doing New Hampshire. We'll be in New Hampshire. That seems like there's a lot more uh, suspense, right? shall we say, than Iowa. I think so. I mean, that, that poll that shows, and you guys probably know this better, but you break down that poll, I did not know. I thought that if you commit to a party, you commit to that party to vote for that party in the general. Yeah. But you could just sign on to be a Republican yeah, it's in New open. Hampshire. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so you could just go. Okay. That's how McCain beat Bush in 2000. Was you had a whole bunch of independents and Democrats voting in the in the Republican primary. Which it's brings a, me, which brings me to this question: Do Democrats want Haley or do they want Trump? And you would think by the polls they want Trump. Yeah. Because Haley wins by double digits in most of the polls, unless they have a Unless they have a surprise that we don't know about, but what could be a surprise? I mean, yeah, I mean, I at this point, what, what could we possibly hear about her? So, if you don't want Haley, don't vote for Haley in New Hampshire. And then John Roberts was just telling me, no, they just want long. They want to drag this out. Yeah, well, remember two thousand and eight Operation Chaos? Wasn't that Rush Limbaugh? Right, yeah, because yeah. I remember I was living in Indiana at the time, and it was an open primary, and so you had Republicans voting for Hillary Clinton to prolong the primary, okay. right? Because Obama had sort of gotten all this momentum and she still had the superdelegates, but the math really wasn't there. But she had, if she won places like Indiana, you could prolong it and take it all the way to the convention. Okay. So a lot of Republicans, Just I remember- Just drag it out. Drag it out. And also, there's also a weakness in the Biden side of the Democratic Party right now. I mean, it, I think there's an awful lot of Democrats that aren't very happy about the economy. They're not very happy about border, crime, border. Whole, whole range of issues, mm-hmm. but they also don't like Trump. And so they're sort of searching for an alternative. They don't have one on the Democratic side. And, and, and for a lot of people, Haley's acceptable. It could be at this point, at least in New Hampshire. Yeah. Right? yeah. And then you're going to deal with a bunch of closed primaries and different things afterwards. Well, so many people with this anti-Semitism, I know how so many liberal Jewish Americans are so upset with what they're seeing from the AOC as yeah. the squad. And then it's not just the niche anymore. Now mm-hmm. it's massive. No. I mean, can you believe that Biden's own staff was protesting him? <laughs> I mean, blows my me God. Away. You, but blows you know, me away. in my opinion, it's because he hired people to check boxes. Yeah. He didn't hire the best people. He wanted to, to have the most diverse, I think, diverse, yep. uh, sexually diverse staff ever who got in there and go, I don't even like this guy. Yeah. Right. And then it was yeah. like, I don't agree with that. I'm going to put a mask on and protest in front of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Yeah. And then write a petition against my own boss's yeah. policies. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's wild. It's wild. We're living in a weird world. Right, it's not AOC, they're not AOC of disciples. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I got three quick questions we ask every guest for the first time. First one, if you could plan your last meal on earth, what would it be? I got a feeling you, you're going to eat well on this deal. Mm. Like, my seem, last meal. Seems like a guy who appreciates it. So I'm not worried about carbs right now. No, no, no. I All mean, right. it's you can slide in sideways. Go to town. 
I haven't had meat since '87. Wow. Are you serious? Right. I eat chicken okay. and fish, but I don't eat bread meat. Huh. But I would probably, yeah, and I wouldn't digest. How long would I have to digest? Well, uh, you, I mean, I think it's basically you finish your last bite and there she goes. Oh, I got to yeah. be dead right away. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. Because the indigestion will be open. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I would do uh, spaghetti and my mom's meatballs, yeah, you which go. were legendary. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and I'd probably have that. And I would definitely like salad with garlic salt, oil and vinegar, with a little bit of grated cheese. <laughs> And then I hope they pull the trigger right away. Because yeah. <laughs> right. people try to give me turkey meatballs. It doesn't it's really. It's not the same. Not the not same. The same. Not I'm not a big food guy. Like I, I'm, I, Is that right at yeah, all? Yeah. No. Huh. Yeah, I'm not like, I don't, I look at these cooking shows and I go, I'm sure I don't want to watch that. <laughs> I'm positive I'm not interested in this cooking segment. There's nothing for me to add. You guys are different. You love food. Oh, yeah. Almost everybody talks about cooking now. and Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we like to eat. I, well, yeah. Right? <laughs> you have a big food budget on the show? <laughs> we should. No, we should. We should do cooking segments. We should. Wouldn't that be funny? Get the fluffy hats? Yeah. It's never been done. Well, we right. <laughs> that, well, on, yeah. that, on YouTube, too. That sizzle, that means it's done. I don't know. You, know, you can yeah. listen to that fork go right in. That's rare. You got to yeah. be really good at color yeah, commentary. Really good. Really good at the color commentary. All right. Second question. If you never got into this line of work at all, right? With the benefit of hindsight, looking back in your life, and you got this blue sky, you could do absolutely anything with. What do you think you would want to do? Can't do this. What would I want to do? I gotta imagine. You say you're not a big hobby guy, but I gotta imagine there's something in there that's like to the course of your travels or whatever. You a sports broadcaster sports? is probably the yeah. Sport I mean, I would, I would see. I've never mastered play by play. I never put the work in, but probably the play by play. And I believe it or not, I know you'd be mad at me for saying this, but soccer. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I mean, soccer is probably... big soccer guy. See? I, I, I can see I'm a game, soccer guy, too. Probably. They give me shit all the time about soccer. Right. So When are they going to get over this? I, I, it's crazy. I mean, this is... I remember we had the World Cup. It's not Cup, American. It's a great sport. And they go, sport. Brian, we need you to go on the five and talk up soccer. I go, all right, because nobody else likes it. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> listen, it's a European sport. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Is everyone's... Why are they going to get up at six in the morning watching uh, these uh, Chelsea play Manchester United? You're all, the, the bus is left. <laughs> We we watched uh, we watched the World Cup in the office and these guys these Neanderthals. Oh, we had a time. We're Even watching the, finals, the game. We, well, had a time. we watched the whole thing and and, and their finals only was okay. their only commentary the entire it was the best final probably in history. But every time the USA was playing, they'd be like, "Hey Duncan, why don't they just shoot?" Just, <laughs> I feel like if they shot, they'd score more. And it's like you know you got to pass like you don't get a lot of shots, so like you got to really make them count. And they're like, "Shoot, shoot, shoot!" It was insufferable yeah. to watch the right, world right. cup with these guys you know you know what's so interesting is that when they teach you uh like they i took five coaching courses in order to teach the game just like you just could we can read but do you not teach someone to read man i don't so i'm really dove he into does it. coaching like he That's does awesome. booker right. t washington books yeah five classes because i just want to learn how to teach i yeah. had to tell a little kid i put used to put stickers on their feet okay. tell them to hit. um but i noticed we pass so much, and I know certain clubs, they go, listen, what do kids like to do? S shoot and score. They want to score. Yeah. And I know certain clubs will crush our club early because we teach them how to work the ball. Yeah. And all of a sudden, some kid will just go, boom, shot off the post, shot. And I'm like, guys, I have forgotten to teach you shooting. <laughs> and it is a little See, off kill me gets it. Yeah, it, is, <laughs> it is a little off fault. You should take the shot. All I'm saying is the best club teams learn that, right. though. They but learn... you need to control the ball because yeah. when you shoot, you gave up the ball. Right. All right, right. enough, enough on the soccer, guys. Jeez. See? Put a little bit more on soccer. Yeah. Yeah. See yeah. what I put up with? It's, it's like, not that there's a time limit. You're going to a break. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, you hate 
it that much to actually end the podcast early. <laughs> Our audience incredible. just hit the 15 seconds. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you guys didn't care that Messi went to Miami. <laughs> I mean, it's that an interesting was a story. Yeah, it's an interesting story. Beckham brings Messi to Miami. Yeah. I, that was my ace card. Yeah. I mean, I can't play another card. Yeah. Beckham's got swag. Ronaldo, no that. shirt on, doesn't turn you on. Shaves his chest, very fit, great abs, nothing for you guys. I feel like you're proving my point with soccer. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right, last question very quickly. Our view is most successful people in this world are either motivated by the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat. And it's not that any Anybody sort of enjoys losing or right. doesn't enjoy winning. It's what motivates you to keep going, keep striving for higher heights. The ultimate agony of defeat person is Michael Jordan, right? Every title he had, he celebrated for about five minutes. Right. And every like perceived slight mm-hmm. he carried with a back, like a backpack for the rest of his life. And that's how he motivated himself to keep going. You know, the thrill of victory. People like Phil Mickelson's a thrill of victory. I can do this. Right. You know, it's optimistic. It's, it's sort of, I'm Take able. huge risks. Right. Mm-hmm. Take huge risks. In that sort of spectrum, Brian Kilme, where do you find yourself, you think? Um, I think steady, determined, not a big risk taker. I, I'll try for things, but I'm not going to say, you know what, this Fox thing, I can mirror that anywhere. Let me try New Zealand. Hmm. You know, I think I like to dominate. <laughs> so I, I'm not like that, but I wasn't, uh, I'm going to wear you out. Yeah, I'll, I'll wear you out long distance. I never had speed, but I have good endurance, <laughs> so I'll wear you. Because you don't want to let anybody else beat you, right? right. You just I, keep working. It. I'll keep working. I'll keep. I'll. I like to think I would get up, but I've never been uh, really hit that hard. That's an agony guy, though. Right? Mm. That's, don't yeah. you think that's? I think an that's agony an guy? agony guy. What do you mean by that? Well, that, I mean that's what it is, right? I mean, if you just refuse to lose, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not like you going out and like I can beat it. There's no time limit on our careers. Right. There's just time limit on our life and we don't really know. We don't hear that buzzer. Everyone else hears the buzzer. You're just dead. Right. 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 So. Right. right. Well, listen, I can't thank you enough for coming and joining us. This has been very fun. I I love this. I love that I got the invitation. I love to you guys. Welcome back. Absolutely. And you do really, for everyone at home, you do really get along. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, We're boys. We do this on the weekend. Get out of here. No, I'm serious. We hang out together all oh, the time. Oh, no microphones, no headsets? No, no, no. We just, this is pretty much it. It's a little unhealthy. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's, that's not... That's you not sound good. like yeah, our wives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's not, you're not well. Uh, <laughs> all right, the book is Teddy and Booker T. You can find it anywhere. Order it online. Yeah, or yeah. Uh, com. I can personalize it. It's like a little 1-800-Flowers oh, window. Nice. So it goes to my book called Barnes & Noble, and I could say happy birthday or whatever it is. Nice. Oh, look at that. It's just a full service. You like that? Yeah, I do like that. Right, and nice for the touch. right place, you could do that too. Don't ask for a free book. That'd be it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what you get. I noticed. I didn't, yeah, I did, did nothing. <laughs> uh, You're the man. Thank you for right, coming. Thanks, in. guys. Appreciate it. Congratulations on all your success. Thank, Thank you. you. Oh, what an outstanding human being that guy is. He's the best. You know what's funny about about Brian? And I've done interviews with him for years. This is. Uh, only few and far between I actually get to see him in person it's only like conventions and debates and things like that but he's the kind of guy that you feel like you could spend hours with talking about anything that's on your mind yeah because like basically anything you care about he's got like a wealth of knowledge about and he's just fun to talk to isn't he yeah he is and that book, I, I've already heard great things about it. Yeah, so this is the book, and you really ought to buy it. So it's Teddy and Booker T. It, it's it's culturally relevant today because of all of the racial insanity that's going on. We're going to have to deal with it. This is a book that you should buy. Go out and get it right away. And uh, 
I think we did it. I think so. Absolute banger of an episode, gentlemen. Thanks again, Killmead, outstanding guest. And thank you to our listeners. Reminder, if you have not yet, subscribe on YouTube to catch our live stream from Iowa. So until next time, Minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless.